0: well 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 it is monday the 22nd of november the all blacks lost yesterday black caps stunk and here we are making dreams stunk they were stinky. um
1: i didn't realize any of those people were playing any sports whatsoever because i don't watch sport but i'll tell you something exciting our eldest daughter, honey, has been assigned the cello for next wow. year, which happens to be the largest interest, uh, instrument on offer at her school, which I can't wait to attempt to hustle into the boot of my car.
2: It's pretty the cool stuff,
0: isn't it? The mm. instruments in the world, the cello. <laughs> the cello. It's quite good wow. though.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful instrument. I love the strings. Things. Hey, um, before the show, Benny was showing us something,
0: and it was a little packet of nuts,
1: and I he got if we quite get triggered.
0: A close up, Benny, if, can you bring it right <laughs> up? To, let's just cut into these nuts now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Nut King. So he was quite triggered. I asked
1: why he hadn't gone for a cashew, and uh, what was your
3: response, Ben? I was highly offended by that it was almost as if you were being you're trying to segregate these peanuts you're saying the peanuts yeah. weren't good enough they were lacking and they weren't an integral um, snack item you you, you assumed um, that the mm-hmm. peanut was uh, unsuperior, and that the cashew was it was almost like um, you have cashewed- It was a nut apocalypse. You cashewed, um, you cashew shamed the peanuts.
1: Well, I mean, for starters, they're in a can, which I find cute. Like I wish there were cashews in a can. But I've heard people refer to the peanut as the devil's nut. They're just not good for you. The devil's nut. I don't know.
3: I like the idea of that. Um, that's <laughs> exciting. It feels dangerous to me. It feels like yeah. I'm doing something maybe that I so, – something I shouldn't do. But, I mean, the reality of it is everyone knows that um, that the almond is actually um, the oh. devil nut. Um, oh, yeah. Because you've got You're all these – your throat. All these but, futuristic like the people. Yep. And they're trying to turn um, – they're trying to milk everything these days. They're trying to milk uh, your almonds, and I tell you, it's these vegans and these uh, these other f- food freaks—I call them—they're gonna—they're gonna try and cut out correct. all your normal stuff. They're gonna pump you full of chemicals. They're gonna give you this anabolic steroids. I think it's Ooh. anabolics, quite frankly. Um, they're gonna, you know, GMO um, the, the the turkeys right up the wahoo before you know it. So you're you saying 3D printed stick- meat.
1: Stick to breast milk from an animal's yep. udder. Is that what absolutely. you're absolutely? Stick
3: there? with what we've been consuming for generations. Do not mm. change anything. This, uh, Benny, this, is, uh, this ever. is putting
0: New Zealand, <laughs> <a great> New
3: <laughs> Zealand there, aren't, aren't we? Essentially, look, uh, look at this way. Exactly, yeah. guys. It, 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 everyone it, knows
1: the cashew is better. The cashew is better. It's superior. It always has been, and it always will be. And it should never be included in a nut mix because nut mixes are for delusional people.
3: Like, I'm, going yeah. to agree to, I'm going to agree to disagree. You're completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like where this is going. This is wild. This is what it's all well, about. But can I just know, say I'll pizzas? tell you what,
1: and it's only the salted cashews that I have time for. And if you're going to mix it with anything, I will only ever accept a pretzel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I will only ever accept a pretzel. I appreciate you for being so specific. Yeah. That makes things easier. It's easy when people know the one thing that they do want than the thousand things they don't want. That narrows it down. Yes.
1: I like to be as specific in everything in my life as I possibly can be.
0: I'd like to throw Maybe something easier. into the mix chocolate This
3: gets That
0: is a great time.
3: Have you guys ever tried scroggin? oh yeah once when i climbed
1: a mountain i didn't understand it but i did need the fuel i'll admit it i got very tired and all i could think of was fuck i hope i've got that scroggon is there any scroggon left who's got the scroggon yeah well, i I also liked saying the word
3: yeah i love it too and the the horrifying thing that i've always thought about mountain climbing is that if you break your leg or something they leave you up there and you just become part of the mountain
0: that's not a thing
3: Oh, is that only on Everest? Okay. Just Everest, yeah. <laughs> well I might I should take it up because I've always wanted to, but rule? I thought, well, if I fell over, I'd just be dead on the hill and they'd just turn me into part of the path or the foundation yeah. for the path. <laughs>
0: How cool is that?
3: Part of the Horrifying sort.
1: Part of the path, you know, you'd walk past and you'd see Benny and his little can of uh, you know, illegitimate nuts sitting yeah, on like- the Parker. These are
3: actually illegitimate. I think these are actually 100%. some sort of counterfeit.
1: They look nice. like they're from AliExpress or something. Where the fuck did you find those?
3: They are. They're actually expired stock that cost about 87 cents. And the cool oh, thing about it is, deal, is it comes, comes with the lid. So after it's done, what you do is you, that do you know, is That's smart. You you keep the item, yeah, okay. you peel off the little paper thing there, you fill it up with MDMAs and you take it to R&B oh no. and and they will test it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. I'm a com- I'm, a, I'm trying to be a comedian. So yeah.
1: you'd keep the label on if you were going to do that,
3: wouldn't you? <laughs> Thank Thank you. I don't know. It like it's all above board this year.
1: Oh, you can take
3: things? It's, apparently you can get on the You're gear so- at, 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 at um, parties this year. Why? Because um, free government testing, they just say bring
1: oh, your gear here. Yeah, we'll yeah. whack
3: it through the machine. We'll tell if your gear's good, and then you can get on the razz. Did she you goes. see that
1: MDMA uh, <laughs> that was found in London, and it was like triple strength, and it was in the shape of a diamond? Oh,
3: that's like what I'm looking really... for. I'm going to try and get some Fenty. No, it was I'm ecstasy, I'm trying to get my hands sorry. on <laughs> some Fenty. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was ecstasy, sorry. And some kid took two of them and died. It was horrible. I don't know. Ooh, you horrifying. Yeah, you know, we laugh, um, but it's not a funny. Right. Like, it's a laughing matter, is it?
3: Serves them right. That's what my old man would have said. Serves them bloody right. Really? The guy's <laughs> are bloody idiot <injured> anyway
1: for <laughs> trying it. Your father sounds like an awful man.
3: Oh, he's very. It was very cool. He passed um, just just months before my twenty first birthday. Horrific, terrifying, soul crushing story. But you um, <laughs> <he> wouldn't be the one to mince his words. Oh gosh,
1: no, no. no well, you bad. know, a little abuse back in the day, I suppose it did some of us good, didn't it?
3: Well, I mean, there's this Maybe. thing that's known as tough, tough love and a lot of people would say that mm. there's too many snowflakes okay. walking around and, um, oh. I mean, shoot, I used to have to walk to school um, five, five miles in barefoot and that was in the... Me too.
2: Um,
1: yeah, summer's just as bad though, isn't it? Because um, the tar heats up tar. and sticks to the bottom of your foot.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, like the little um, tar baby. Absolutely. I don't know if we can say that in 2021, but um, oh. good times <laughs> indeed here on the show. Sorry. And um, man, oh, man. What about I this? I didn't um, realise
1: that was a racist thing. Can we just stop on that for a
3: second?
2: <laughs> oh, baby. Oh,
3: baby. What was it? Wow. Well, um, there's the old saying, but oh, does... he's been uh, hit with the old tar brush, hasn't he? Oh, a, I haven't heard. It. No, okay. I don't connect man. those two. Um, I don't connect
1: those two. I used to read a book and it, it was a little baby made of tar. And when it got hot, his little foot stuck to the pavement. And then I just sort of, it happened to me when I was it's, walking. It sounds school. adorable. Like, yeah. It does, I think you it,
3: know. It's easy for Maybe us Maybe a different to, book. Um, different book. Quite possibly, but it's easier for hmm. us to um, sort of demonize innocent themes, isn't it?
1: It can be, yeah. But then you read things about what was that guy you know that wrote Cat in the Hat, Dr. Seuss, or something. You think, oh yeah, yikes! Yeah, I don't pick up on that stuff. What
3: did we? What was so bad about it? I mean, I know that there was the Oriental people and they had some sort of overly characterised uh, characters in the books, but isn't that the nature of illustration and stories?
1: True, and also, where does the line get drawn for inspiration and? plagiarism you know even in things like fashion you still have that that fine line but I think the the problem with um, Dr Seuss was that the cat in the hat was modeled off a black woman who used to do the elevator in his building or something and she was black and had a hat and it was that's sort of where that came from and then he turned her into a black cat so I think it was just a bit weird but I mean even still wasn't necessarily an awful thing and again inspiration oh, from around wow. his life And I, yeah I don't...
3: exactly exactly yeah. well that's has got a lot of um, I mean and that's the innocence of it as well I mean it was a book intended for children, the children had no because, idea can I, and it
0: was can, I, can I ask you guys a couple of things
3: please okay. do
0: one of the chants... G'day from Point Chevalier. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Corey. Um, is there any chance that I could just bow out tonight? I've just got a couple of what things i have going to finish off. I know. You know I, I, I have things
1: up. also. I know. Benny, tell them that you have things also.
0: So
3: many it's things.
0: Rare, it's very rare that I do uh, bow out. But I've just got uh, just to catch up on just a couple of things. We've got Sea Blue coming up. She's a New Zealand artist. Caroline... Blue, she's fantastic, a really easy chap, and uh, and I'd love to get her um, more people around her music. She's doing great things. New Zealand, on even funded, she'll get some new music. There's some, some talent there. Fine, okay. fuck off
1: then.
3: Well, on that note, I'll just step away.
0: No, no, no,
1: no yeah, I need yeah.
3: to and I'll be back then. shortly. No, you're I will do. I'll, I'll just, uh, I need to just okay. skip through all into all this right. I'll give, him,
1: give him a few minutes. He's still working on his thing of nuts. I can't believe you're ditching me. on Live. Hey. Hi. How are you? Pay's <laughs> about to you? ditch me and leave. What am I doing that way? Um
0: good, good.
4: Hi. Oh
0: hey, look you at for your background. Us. Wow, you got some that's a that's a nice corner of the house.
4: Oh, thank you. It's just my little apartment. Oh,
0: very cool. <laughs> I like it. Hey, uh, Steve Blue, welcome to the show. Um, we're here till 10 o'clock. Uh, if anybody watching would like to throw some questions in, go right ahead. Uh, you're a musician. Can you describe as quickly the kind of style that you musicate?
4: Oh, I can. It's I'm sort of a mix. Like, yeah. um, definitely pop. Like, mainly pop, yeah. a twist of R&B. Um, and my book's actually country, so I grew up with music. So there are, like, little elements in there, um, but mainly R&B, mainly R&B pop. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what, that's,
0: that's kind of the sweet spot, isn't it, right now? It's definitely the sweet spot right now,
2: yeah. for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah like, Who's
1: your favourite artists that you would compare yourself to, for anyone who hasn't heard your wonderful music?
4: Oh, that I'd compare myself to. Um, Probably more sweet-sounding R&B artists or just artists in general, like Janae Aiko or Keilani maybe like a bit of her. Um, Kiana Lede as well is pretty cool. Like, she's relatively new, um, but she's been blowing up the last couple of years. And, yeah, a bit of Scissor, Really impressive. Yep. I watched her when she came oh, to New Zealand as well. She's and so she great. Back. Yeah, she's. I just
1: made a playlist with some of her music today, and I've like when I like a song, I have this really weird thing that I have to do. I just need to play it constantly, like on repeat. Like I have to just keep (laughs) listening to the song. It's so annoying, and even my kids like
2: (laughs) that one again, Mum.
1: Really, like okay. And hold on, I'm going to show it to you. What song is that here? Good
4: days. Do you love that song? Oh, yes. Yes, Is I do. Is that not the best? I do. I love her song The Weeknd because yeah. I felt that was oh, yeah, her, that's like, a good. breakout hit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, she's got really good stuff. I love her melodies and her lyrics. Like, yeah, she's pretty cool.
0: She's a pretty Fantastic. Hey, I just <laughs> want to <laughs> say um, oh, it was nice right, meeting you. Here. I'm logging off because I've got uh, to go and do something urgently, but I'm leaving you names with Sophia and Benny Mac. Nice to uh, finally chat to you and I really appreciate your time spending um, with us uh, here tonight.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: No worries. I'm going. You're staying. See
4: you guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs) So when did you hit the scene? Tell us more about that. What's happening for you right now and how long has it taken you? Everyone says overnight success and it's like forever and then you're an overnight success.
4: Yeah. um, It definitely feels like I've been doing it forever, like I think because I started doing music with my whanau, like as a kid. Um, Um, I did busking quite a lot with my family. Uh, My dad was in a country rock band and we used to travel around the country and enter a bunch of random little country music competitions and stuff. So that was quite cool. But I started taking it professionally just when I left high school. So probably in like 2013 was when mm -hmm. I did my first song. That was my own song um and then it's it's been off and on like it definitely takes a while like you just are constantly learning as you go mm. I think you're always changing not really changing your mm, kind of changing your style or just learning as you go or changing your message or it's just
1: well there's yeah. a lot of growth in that time as well though isn't there so I mean it's probably a natural progression when you learning about yourself you're learning about the world you're Mm -hmm. finding different things that you enjoy and the sounds that you that you love that connect with you and things like that I'm sure it's a bit of a journey that's ever-changing
4: oh definitely definitely and like this the people that you meet along the way like your inspiration changes or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's always it's all about growth like the whole way through but it does I think it feels like it's more slow because we're in New Zealand. So (laughs) you know, like we've got a small population and it's a really small community as well. Like that's the cool thing about it though, is everyone does know each other and everyone supports each other, which is really awesome. Um but yeah, it's definitely mellow. I I definitely think I was meant to move to New York last year pre-COVID. Oh the year before 2019, I was meant to move to New York in November. And, yeah, basically COVID happened, but I feel like that would have been a really wicked experience to just be in that city doing music.
1: Yeah, do you think you're going to go? You'll certainly, later on, go over there, right?
4: I I think so, maybe. It just depends Mm. on, you know, what happens with the world and whether it goes back to being the New York that it was. I think there's just so many people that are scared and... I feel like for most artists, we've just had to shift everything to be mostly online. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think
1: given that's given you
4: cool. an advantage, though. Oh, 100%. And I also think, like, especially gigs-wise in New mm. Zealand, so right before this lockdown, I was actually on tour with Sweet Mix Kids and Frey. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard of Frey, but he's another um, – really awesome New Zealand artist and yeah we were on the tour and that was going amazing and I think it was because a lot of people here in the entertainment industry they wanted entertainment but because they couldn't get overseas acts you know they were actually sourcing the local artists and supporting the local artists and we were getting a bunch of opportunities that we wouldn't have had before
1: Oh, that's good. That's what's needed, isn't it? Because people need to be supporting New Zealand artists, whether or not we're in lockdown or not. Yeah, definitely. It's it's such a hard space to operate in because, you know, when the festivals and things come on, there's a lot of internationals that come in and they just come in and come out and make that money and then the money's been spent, you know, and it doesn't leave Mm -hmm. a whole lot in the pot um, for New Zealand artists. Um. Where were you going to go in New York? What was the plan?
4: Um, Well, I was going to be in Brooklyn, New York. Um, So I'd spent um, a couple of months in the States back in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I'd sort of decided then that if I wanted to give it like a really good crack, I would have to go overseas. Um, And it was just amazing. Like in the short amount of time I spent there, like I was in New York for two weeks And it's just crazy who you can meet in that short amount of time. Like, just who you bump into at the street or see at dinner. Like, I didn't see anyone Um, super famous or anything, but everyone's everyone's creative or everyone's a songwriter or a film producer or they do music videos or they're a songwriter or they're an artist of some kind. Uh, Everyone in that city is so creative or they're into fashion. Yeah, just fashion, film, like anything that you can think of, there was a person that was – you know creative and doing that and everyone was so hyped like everyone hyped each other up and they're excited mm. to hear all about it like it was really cool. everybody's was connected
1: cool. as well and in, in those arenas you know if someone's doing something they'll know someone who can help you and it's a really it's it's a good flow isn't it
4: yeah definitely mm.
1: fantastic what are you got coming up so we're out we're out December 3rd have you got anything lined up for a uh, summer holiday,
4: yes, I do. I've got a couple things. So um, last week, I just recorded my first. Well, it wasn't my song, but Ray's just released an album, and he remixed a song in a Tereo Maori version, and he got me oh, wow. on the version. And so that was actually awesome. my first time singing in Tereo, which was really cool. It was challenging, but <laughs> it was it was really really cool. Um, so. That's gonna be released and on the 19th of December I'll be going down to Arrowtown, fingers crossed, if we can make all so down there. Um, yeah, and a whole bunch of studio sessions because during the lockdowns I haven't actually been able to go and have my sessions, yeah, um, which I've really missed. So yeah, I'm I'm happy for everything to just be back up and running. Like there's only so much I can do at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I used to have like a quite a cool little home set up. Um but a couple of months before lockdown, unfortunately, um a bunch well basically everything I had got stolen. Oh my god. <laughs> I what? know, I know. So um yeah, I had That's insane. All my stuff in, yeah, I had all my stuff in my car um in the city and yeah, unfortunately it got stolen with all of my stuff, so yeah, I've got to build back oh. up, a little home setup, but um yeah. That sucks. Uh, yeah, but there's still ways to be creative. Like I got an iPad or just even just like recording on my phone or anything. Yeah. Like just trying to keep creative and like just stacking up the ideas for when I can get back into the studio and when I can actually link up with people and work on projects and stuff. So that's cool.
1: Oh, that's good. And how have you used... Like online, you are saying that it's really been a good space during lockdown for artists. How has it changed since before lockdown?
4: Uh, I think I, th- in well, in my opinion, I just believe that before the lockdown, everyone's attention span had grown really short with online yeah. content. Like you know, people might not watch a music video all the way through, or they might not watch might not listen to a song all the way through an album but because of the lockdown people actually have a bit more time and so they'll sit there and experience it and listen to it and watch and they'll you know they just engage a whole lot more because they have time and they're just like oh actually you know this is this is kind of cool and then they'll actually connect with you and engage with you and I just feel like yeah people have had the time to like really stop and listen to their local artists and well, all, all the international artists that they love too, but just music. Yeah, i certainly giving Spotify
1: a, a run for its money on oh. streaming. Holy moly!
4: Definitely, yes, definitely. Like I have my every single day, I have my speaker just blasting with music. Yeah. so <laughs> I'm guilty as well. And I do what you do too. Like once I find a song that I love, I just blast it over and over and over again. And then I'm like, it's oh. gotta be
1: done. <laughs> it's got to be done. I'm sure easier. my neighbor is like, "Would you just give it a break?" But <laughs> you know, I'm not done till I'm done. So. I'm
4: yeah, keep definitely. Cuz there's like a mat there's a certain magic about a, a song when you first hear it and then you love it. Yeah. And you keep playing it and you have that certain feeling like you're getting all those endorphins and you're like, "Damn, I love this song." And then Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and, and then so, one day like you're
4: like just like,
1: oh. yeah, you're like, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah, like mixed. <laughs> yeah, and music's such a funny thing because it's such a, a world that you can dive into you know and it just takes you out of everything else if you let mm-hmm. it if you want it to it can take you anywhere you want to go you know you just have to know where you want to go find that song tune in and let yourself be taken away into that and I can really enjoy that but I can't even imagine how to even begin the process to create something like that for somebody to hear what is your process like
4: oh it's it's hard to say I think it's sort of like it's exactly like what you said being a listener like you know what are your intentions as a listener what are you trying to feel in that Mm -hmm. exact moment like whether you're like feeling sad and you want to be sad and let yourself feel sad. You're like, yep. oh, I, need a, I need a sad song now. Like I need to get, myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's quite similar. Like when you're creating, like I think it just comes on as a feeling more than anything for me. Mm. I might just randomly think, I don't know, of something that I've experienced and I'm like, Oh, that would be a really good song. So I'll whip up my phone mm. and I'll, I might sing a melody or a few lyrics and just, Come up with something and look back on it later, and it could could turn into something. Could I not? And then other times, it's yeah. I mean, there's not too much thought in it at all. You're just like, oh, that sounds cool. You're like, yeah, that could be awesome. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely different. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's all based on just like your feeling, how you feel. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: And you have to be careful sometimes, or I do anyway. I'm like, if I get really into a certain style of music. Like, it might be, I don't know, uh, old school R&B or something. And then I'll play it and I'll play a playlist and then it'll change my whole mood. I'm like, oh, uh uh-oh, like I need to... And I know, jazz it up a wee bit here. I've got something to do. With, like to get re- I'm <laughs> going to spice over. it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spice this up ASAP. Like, I've got a house to clean. i have going to put something on. It's got a bit of, like, no attitude or something or some work to do. I always <laughs> work like late night. I'll put on this one really ridiculous. Um, it's like 2000s hip hop, like Dr. Dre and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, even like,
1: <laughs> maybe like some shaggy. Do you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm, like
1: mm-hmm. just, to, just to like knock it out of the park into a wee bit weird and just keep me on my toes, so I'm awake when I'm really tired. It's yeah. top tip, top tip.
4: <laughs> I love that, love it, love it. So what are your,
1: what's your favourite song of yours that everybody should hear uh, before we head off, oh, so that wow. everybody can run to Spotify. Oh.
5: oh.
4: On Spotify, I would probably say my favorite one on Spotify would probably be Tell Me Twice. It's a song that I did with Ray, um, who I've just done that Te track with. Um, But the favorite song I've ever, ever done is Yet to Come. Um, It's the next one I'm releasing. So if you keep an eye out for it, it's definitely like my most personal, my most emotional, like all my songs I've done so far i have been like quite chill quite cruisy but this one's quite yep. deep and like close to my heart yeah, so the you're giving
1: a, you're giving away a whole lot in the next song are you of yeah
4: yourself. Definitely,
1: definitely okay yeah. and so if we follow you on spotify will we get a little notification when that comes out then
4: yeah yeah definitely yeah i'm on i'm on pretty much right most social media like instagram instagram facebook I don't really tweet much, but... No. Yeah. What, is on Twitter? what
1: is Twitter about?
4: Like, I honestly I don't, don't get, it. get it. I don't get it either. I think it's just like I, like... I remember
1: when somebody said to me like, oh, you've got to get on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I went and had a look. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> what is this awful place? I've just stepped inside. Like, it was yeah. so horrible, isn't it? Everybody's yeah. just wondering. Yeah, I don't understand I think
4: it. a place if, to rant, and then every now and then someone's yeah. rant just goes viral, and you're like, "Oh wow!"
1: Yeah, and then people rant at that viral rant, and then everybody's just like, "Oh!" And then someone takes a screenshot of it and puts it on Instagram, and I see it. <laughs> 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 it's too much for me. I can't yeah, get into it. Terrible. Instagram's enough, you know. Yeah. So, what is your Instagram as well, so we yeah. can all follow you?
4: Um, my Instagram is just C Blue C E E B L U um okay if, if you don't Great. see that pop up you can always put like missy blue ms yeah that's Is that there
1: you can see yeah, my ring light excellent, yeah. excellent. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us and i'm going to go and listen to that song what was it again i'm doing it right now i'm it's terrible cool.
4: Look, tell, I'm me, twice, tell me twice featuring
2: um
4: there's a few different tracks on my spotify um excellent it's different style completely hey david
1: <laughs> yes and someone else is saying down here um i bet emi records stole c's car
4: who are you with who, who's your um I'm, I'm completely independent so okay
1: so yeah. do you, does that mean you have to pay for all of your recordings and stuff out of your pocket
4: yeah yeah i do oh, every,
1: good uh, yeah. on you
4: i do everything on my own um so grateful New Zealand On Air have funded one of my songs which was a huge help, We get paid for the music video and promotion but yeah other than that everything just fund on my own and I do all my own artwork and animations and videos and all that too And Good
1: on you, honestly like that is such a hard slog and you know I've got my own business and I'm I own it all myself and I'm Mm self-funded and it's just like It feels so tough some days, but when you look back and then you go, "I own everything. It's all mine. Everything that is, you know, happening that's that's positive is all because of me." And have you ever seen that Snoop Dogg um, video where he's like, "I want to say thank you to me for all (laughs) (laughs) For (laughs) for everything I've done for myself." and for all my hard work and you'll be able to stand up there and do that for
4: yourself I don't think That'd I have seen great. that I'm gonna you oh my god to you oh straight after it's
1: this the best and because he's Snoop Dogg it's even more fantastic because I think he's pretty yeah he's yeah. Funny. very funny go everybody needs to watch that <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us thank and we would love to have you back again i want to hear more about your journey and yeah well done amazing keep going thank
4: you thank you for having me our pleasure have okay, a good night you
1: soon. see ya bye bye, bye.
3: what an see, awesome guest! that was that was great wasn't it
1: Yep, I'm going to go and listen to her song and then probably replay it about a million times in a row because, you know, it's what happens when I like a song. Have you seen that Snoop Dogg thing?
3: I think I've got it up here. I'm just It's trying to that one, E.T., e.
1: the second one. It's the one with, where he's in that camel-coloured coat. It's,
2: it's, oh, it's his it's Walk so of Fame brilliant. speech.
3: Yeah, it's so brilliant. This is when legendary rapper Snoop Dogg receives his star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. Thanks, Dr. Craig Warren G, Quincy Jones, etc. This
6: is three years Let's
3: ago. Uh, let me just cue it up. I'm going to Here turn go. it
6: into... One, two, one, two. First of all, I want to thank the committee and all of the people in Hollywood that put this together that felt I was worthy enough to have my name on a star in Hollywood. I appreciate the love. I mean, coming to, Hollywood to help him for with a long the sunglasses. Time, looking down on the ground at these stars and just imagining... What it would be like to be down here one day. It's a great feeling to look out here and see all the people that really make me who I am. The fans. All of y'all out there. For real, though. I got to give a shout-out to my A1 from day one, DJ Warren G.
1: This is a uh, a 32-minute DJ Warren G believed in
6: Snoop Dogg when Snoop Dogg didn't believe in itself, so... I look at today as a day that we can celebrate as homeboys because he believes in himself. We've got him. a lot I of anti films of so this up, so this is, is our
1: star, big homie. I, yes, good point. Continue. Uh,
3: <laughs> nah, it's a four minute 20 it's a four-minute clip.
6: Okay. Go on, then. Yes, sir. Got to give a shout-out to all of the people behind the scenes that helped Snoop Dogg become who he is. I'm talking about my mother. I'm talking about my father. I'm talking about my aunties, the people in my life growing up. Uh, my mentors, my wife, for being there for me, for being my backbone, being strong enough to stay down with me and understand the fact that I was doing what I was trying to do best, but being there for me through the hard times and the good times. Um, shout out to all of the rappers that I rap with, that I wrote with, that I combined my <laughs> okay, talent with, to create what gonna work. Created.
3: Okay, so... Uh... I hear what you're saying.
1: There's, though. Maybe it's a there's short a short clip.
3: There's got to be a short clip. Here we go.
1: Here we go. Here it is. Here, here it is. Here it is. All right,
6: Brussels sprout. All right. Last but not least, we I want to thank work. me. <laughs> I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for, for never quitting. I want to thank me for always being a giver and trying to give more than I receive. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me for just being me at all times. Snoop Dogg, you're a bad
1: Why I just think he's fantastic. Oh, what, my God. Cool.
3: Now, we actually had his yes. uh, wine reviewed. Um, we did. Just last week, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Um, 13 yes, uh, Crimes...
1: 18? How many crimes has this man committed? Uh, it, should
3: it, called, called crimes. Crimes. It, it should be Couple called of whoops, Countless Crimes. It should be called Countless Crimes and Multiple Homicides. Uh, <laughs> 19, <laughs> um, he was actually on the Rogan 19,
1: show. 19, Hayden
3: says. 19? Um, yeah. Well, 19 you know. crimes, yeah. You could probably use that wine bottle itself to commit several crimes. Not only could Absolutely. you use the ters, but if get yeah, heavily intoxicated and get behind the wheel. Yeah, of, just a wee... order. and appeal. you're off. You could also, yeah, you could also <laughs> use it as a um, a club, or also you could smash yeah, that, it a knife. We're and, not endorsing that, We're not endorsing that kind of behaviour. That would be
1: terrible. This is how uh,
3: how you could get more than 19 crimes out of a bottle <laughs> of 19 crimes. But, um, yeah, he was recently on the Snoop Show. and uh, was, oh No, he was recently Dave? on the Rogan podcast. What do you uh, think about uh, Rogan? Uh, uh, quite entertaining, quite entertaining, mm. uh, interesting, um, very successful, very prolific, um, highly regarded, alternative. Prolific. highly prolific, big profile, um, huge journalism. Um, he's the he's he's got a think of it this way, you're just saying
1: words, aren't you?
3: No, I'm. I'm saying he got paid 250 million for a Spotify deal. He's one of the most oh, yeah, important broadcasters on the internet, and one of the most important voices outside of mainstream, mm-hmm. bought and paid for media. He's. A, he, mm-hmm. he, he He's. Um. Not controlled. He's one of the few um, personalities online that's not controlled by a. Uh, um, Mm, I'm not system. sure
6: about
3: that. Well, at okay. that level. At that level. Well, he doesn't work for mainstream media. Everyone, every that's news true. anchor in the world is controlled because they sit there in front of an auto queue and they read and say what they're told to say by their editor. He has no editor. He's his own producer. Man, this is really fun. We've got 13 viewers. People are liking out of topic. We've got a discussion because that's the most we've had all night, maybe all week. You tell me. <laughs> no, I think
2: the
1: count is it's funny though because like when we go into analytics we can see a hell of a lot more. But when I you go into the Facebook thing, me. it just doesn't it just doesn't work. It doesn't work yeah, for me. I can
3: see it live here. I can see it live at the studio end. And what Jonathan's it does is it gives it me, it. me a it, it gives me you, a Jonathan. live count. Oh Jonathan Compiler. I love this guy. I reckon we should bring compiler through right now. I say we do the open line talk back all show. Mm-hmm. And um, we're Ooh. just going to cause a ruckus, um, you know? Um, yeah, he's, he's interesting. He's an interesting character. He is... Um, Who is
1: Jonathan? And how do you oh, know Jonathan him?
3: Kampala. Uh, he's, a get, he's been yeah. on the show. He's a caller. He's one yeah, of the no, international I... callers. Uh, he's an American guy. He got, he got um, into the show via uh, YouTube, I think. I'm not sure.
1: Yep. I'm seeing the YouTube thing. Yep.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, so I believe he's come through from the Benny Mac page, and he is a flat earther. He's a ver- he's a big um, commentator on the alternative um, news spectrum. <laughs> 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 he's very entertaining though, and he's a very loving guy. Okay. He's got a lot of love in his heart. And he's Got a big connection there, and um, and he's also uh, he's a kindred soul of um, David's. He's actually oh, um, recapped. Oh, They're like okay. brothers. Like I can just put yeah. them onto the thing, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll they'll will um, you know, they they'll go. carry on the
1: conversation for a
3: while. I I'll, I'll hey, to know
1: if he's got any items for sale.
3: We hey, want to know if anyone's. Question. What about you, so, so, uh, Sophia, so, so, suck your toe all the way to Mexico, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sophia? <laughs> have you got any like? Hi, what? Oh, this is part of our show that, like, I don't know if you and Thayton have actually watched what we get up no, to. No, of course oh, not. You'd we be don't, horrified. We don't.
1: No. You'd be horrified. No, we just, we just leave you to enjoy your freedom. You know, I don't want to be. I'm standing over you, watching what you're doing.
3: Oh, well, I think, you'd lo- I think you'd love it. You'd probably get it on the themes. So we've got this thing, like, um, basically, would. it's basically part of the show is we call it marketplace. Mm. It's where oh. I basically start pestering people and start yeah. harassing them and asking okay. them about if they've got any high-value items that they no longer acquire, that they're willing to sell, mm. and I will take the profit and we'll turn it back into the show. Um, so we've oh. sold a Spacey's machine. We had this can cooler thing. Um, I call it a can coochie because I didn't know how to describe it. Um, but we've talked about other items. We've been trying to sell Puma, the show cat. Uh, we've also been trying to. Oh, yeah, you can't sell the talk, cat? Yeah, I've been trying to actually. You know how Dave's a, a hoarder and he's got all those items? We've actually he's been trying to. got so many to,
1: things in there that he's you can sell. an old chariot
3: that he was actually fixing with a piece of wire the other night. <laughs> we tried to get him, we we're talking him into selling Laddie uh yeah it's exciting times what size
1: full size life size miniature
3: miniature it was oh. a mon- it was a, a modelette <laughs> it was a modelette um but yeah we it's like it.
1: smaller than a model it's not the original it's not life size it's not a model but it's a modelette
3: it shittier that. than a model um, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah ideally we're going for a minimum 200 hundred dollar <laughs> value some <laughs> people over value and overprice their item oh i'm um, sure i'm sure yeah. We laugh. At uh, Andrew
1: says, "Sophia, have you tried the holy drops?" No, I haven't. Um, I Thane, the Thane's got those. Thane was given those. I was not given any. <laughs> so you know, heart, I'm open on to a, it. I wasn't given any holy drops.
3: I wasn't given
1: any holy drops. I want the cream for my old ass back because I'm <sighs>
2: sore. I had, a, um,
3: I had a real painful back experience the other day. I wasn't sure if it was a result of the vaccine or what. Um, you know, they say one in a thousand people, your heart can explode. I don't know if the stats are right, but um, the numbers... It says uh, being, the thing is the range is very wide, and that's kind of what concerns me. It says between one and one thousand and one and one hundred thousand people suffer serious, seriously. yeah,
1: it's a wide gap. Um, it's a wide gap. Lit so lit lit so lit lit. I thought
3: I might have been gaping it, and I thought my chest was about to pop, but I wasn't sure whether it was my heart or my spine because it also says you might have achy joints and achy muscles. So I thought, oh great, so now I'm going to live with what. a broken spine. And it's not a joke because I was standing there doing something at a tap filling a water bottle and I was holding the bottle like this and I just felt this feeling in my back and I was just like, ah, like I, I, I felt like the fucking vaccine had just fucking given me spina bifida or something at the water fountain. I was like, that's early onset spina bifida. Medical journalists have never heard of it, but it was preposterous. Yeah, well, you know, we don't it's know what now um, one, it's and, an
1: it's one in a billion.
3: <laughs> I'm an experimental kind of guy, you know. I was willing to be part of the science, you know. They said trust the science. The damn science almost sent me into a fucking uh, cataclastic fucking seizure right there on the uh, right there At the, at fucking the drink hall.
1: fountain. Right there at
3: the... <laughs> All I was trying to do how was well are a you? bottle of water. How old are you? How old am I? you like, a goddamn bottle. Tell yeah, me about it.
1: You, your back's creaking, but you're filling a bottle at the, you know? You're doing it to,
3: all. I'm trying to do it all. I'm trying to try and take some water. I'm trying to um, do what they say. You know, I'm not really one to, they say, take an ibuprofen. So you know, they said, hey, <laughs> hey, we've got 14 viewers. Only Jews, man. I'm, I'm on. if on you point. have to. Okay, there we go. That's We're gonna read told. the chat and because I why are we you? gonna read the chat? It's an interactive um, book back show. This is your yeah, but you
1: I love how you wanna read the chat while I'm talking, but when you're talking, you do I'm a obnoxious. fucking fifteen minute monologue. Wait, yeah. You know what Thane yeah. said
3: to me? Thane said, take no. over the show, he's going to sleep, try and get people excited, be a maniac. We don't care what you do, but listen, um, I'm obnoxious, I'm so gonna anyway. take the floor. Um
1: Andrew, the cream is good, the drops not so much. Yeah, well, the cream's sold out. Can you put the drops in the cream?
3: I don't see why not.
1: Like in, in your own cream? Is that a thing? Can you just have a lovely cream that you enjoy and then you add some drops and then it provides that same level of comfort? You know, Do when you I get the vaccine... Um,
3: How was your experience? I, <laughs> I <laughs> Sorry for being really <laughs> a
1: before. So no, you're fine. You're right. I'm, I'm just kidding. you very cool. Um, thank you. That's really nice. Um, no I got really quite sick, but I didn't really want to turn
3: <laughs> You want to be cool, eh? It's like, you know what? I'm I such was, a badass. I can take the vaccine, die, and no one will I know will be back I am tonight. a
1: very strong woman. I am very, I'm, pretty, you know, yeah. I've been nicknamed by ex-boyfriends, the, the ice queen. Ooh. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty hard. It's yeah. actually probably not a good thing. But, no. um, and I have softened over the years. However, I thought this will be if I can walk in the park or whatever. I've had three kids, <laughs> you know, by the time I Easy. walk into hospital, they're almost out. Let's do this. <laughs> it absolutely knocked me for six. I was sick for like a week.
3: <laughs> Phenomenal.
1: I thought I had COVID. I was like, what is happening here? and then I couldn't get up for a day
3: Uh I was bedridden
1: but they said to me don't take anything don't do it don't take anything unless you absolutely have to and then so I did and um and I ended up going get a COVID test because after the COVID vaccine I felt like I had COVID and they're like no it doesn't contain the no it's
3: not it's not supposed to Apparently, what yeah. it does is it gives your um, immune system a bit of a. Um, we I guess it's, it's like popping a, a defibrillator on your heart um, while you're doing a marathon. It's just kind of, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, those things that you're supposed to use when you have a heart attack. Oh, I know what a defibrillator is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of doing yeah. that to your immune system. It's like, well, you're have alive. You and low, you're have you ever done a marathon? Have you ever
0: done a marathon? Um, when of I used to now. drink.
1: When I used to drink, I used to drink a lot. I signed up to do a marathon, (laughs) a half marathon. I should never have done that because it's a fucking ridiculous thing to do when it was on like a Saturday morning. (laughs) I didn't train. I didn't train at all. And then I drank uh, a whole lot of alcohol. I think it was like, I don't know, wild, ridiculous amounts the day before. I woke up and I was like... (sighs) Oh, my God. And, like, I'd made this promise to myself that I would do the half marathon. It was like, I'm going to be this great person. Look at me now. And so I ran the half marathon and I made it. And, oh, my God, the pain level of that experience. Why do people do that? And I'll tell you what you get at the end, Benny. Do you know what you get at the end?
2: A, A banana.
1: <laughs> A banana. A <laughs> banana. They go, hey, good job, mate. Here's a banana. I was like, uh, I, yeah, I'll take it because I'm absolutely ravenous and I'm hungover. But holy moly, I couldn't sit down to go to the toilet. I had to build my towel rail. into. I had to windsurf okay. to use the okay. bathroom so for fear. a week. So
3: fear, so fear, so fear. Don't do it. I've taken Don't so many it. notes. I'd hate to break down all the facts that you just mentioned there, but I think it would be a miss, wouldn't it? You yeah, made well, I'm a, just a that series of of you made a crucial series errors. of crucial. crucial errors. In in short and sharp succession, followed by yeah. extreme physical absorption on a, what was it a Saturday morning after a three week yeah. bender um, and no, a not
1: three week. No, no, not a three week bender. Hear me out. I But you know, even now, okay, I haven't <laughs> drunk for nearly five years, and I still don't think I could actually pull off what I did that day.
3: Well, that's now. it. That's it. I mean you were probably half drunk and maybe at the time your um, your state of Few mind was actually
2: sort of like oh, fucking." Um, no.
3: but I mean that's a different that was a different I world saw somebody poo their pants. Oh, I saw somebody wee their pants. Oh,
1: people pull that. off into the bush on the motorway. Oh, oh yeah,
3: yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had to do the um, the motorway, the problem in the motorway. Um, a couple of notes here, actually, um, haven't taken a lot of facts of this show, but... Um,
1: Hayden thinks packed. that the banana is racist. What do you mean,
3: Hayden? Okay, no. we can actually brush over that because that is uh, irrelevant for our line of, of conversation because he is actually an um, offsetter. What's that? He's trying to offset our, our um, positive co- uh, conversation by bringing in an inconsequential topic of conversation by saying that the banana is relevant to some sort of race-based theory, which it's not. It's just some sort of left-field buffoon in the chat well, no, I think they trying give, to be,
1: They give you a banana uh, because they've got some sort of um, deal with the banana company.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know. And it's probably so if, you're, if, you're, um, if you if you're you had have eaten and day. prepared yourself for that marathon and ha- had prepared your gut and your gut uh, beneficial flora, um, by the time you would have completed that marathon, you, that banana mm. would not only have been eaten and digested well, but th- when you spent that time on the toilet, uh, crippled over, clutching onto the rail, um, your yeah. gut and your um, bodily functions probably would have just mm. been quite on point because instead of some, I don't think the um, banana
1: would have helped me any Jesus, it's a banana
3: uh, it no, you, but um, just any um, any uh, marathon runner that had their body in actual peak physical condition to perform on that day um, the banana would have been okay. the least of their worries <laughs> but, but in your in your circumstance, yes, the banana <laughs> played into your um, your your body was not ready to accept that banana to digest. Well,
1: it. I ate it. I ate it. Um, look, yeah. see uh, Oliver said magnesium. Just don't yes. resist. And potassium. And potassium. Exactly. As
3: exactly. Well. So it could have Sorry. been something really beneficial that your body would have absorbed. Mm. However, you, you weren't in that state. But what I did want to mention was um, I was pretty rapt to hear that the All Blacks lost, frankly. Um, I've Who were they playing?
1: I don't they care. Playing?
3: It's irrelevant to me. Do they
1: play again? Um,
3: I, I think it's American uh, it? Rugby League. Uh, league. And mm. what it is, is that um, I find the whole brand quite arrogant. Um, I'd quite frankly, I'd like to rename the All Blacks. Um, I think that any history should be erased. I'd like to erase history. I think All Black is a racist term. And I think it all needs to go. Um, I think we should be up in arms. They're still running around with the pigskin. I think that's bad for people that like to eat meat. Um, I think that it's a Neanderthalic sport. Um, There's a lot of head trauma that's involved. That's not good for mental health, especially in a country with higher suicide rates. We shouldn't be encouraging our Youth to fight uh, a barbaric. What uh, the fuck are you
0: talking sport. about? What are you talking
3: about? We're cancelling the All Blacks. I'm coming up with heaps of woke theories on it. It's true. Rugby is barbaric. There's a lot of mental. A lot of people get real bad brain injuries from rugby. It's a horrible sport.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Canceling. We're cancelling the
3: sport. Remember, you backed me on this one. And the. And oh, the, yeah, great. Oh, <laughs> the, I agree. Um, the Black Caps lost too. Couldn't be happier. Those idiots that are trying to hit a bloody atom with a, with a um, a plank of wood it's a waste of time. Who are all these top paid people that are chasing atoms around? Anyone can do that. We do it all the time with a mouse on the screen. All it is. Why is don't we pay atom.
1: Why don't we pay teachers the way we pay sports
2: people?
3: Because teachers don't shouldn't be paid either as well. If they're all teaching from home, we only need one teacher per year. We only <laughs> need 12 <laughs> teachers. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, don't we? I mean if there's year 1 through 12 and if everyone's at home then you just have 12 teachers. The coolest classroom in the world. You're I'm you sure country money. But You're what I wrong would talk, I'm right on, wrong. Did you know that I, that is wrong, but there's another thing that 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 should be right. Is that when the first well, lockdown started, right? I'll stop pointing at you. Um, when the first, <laughs> I could keep going if you want me to, when I will, I'll do it for the thing. Okay. Don't you When the first stop lockdown started, this is, this is me not addressing you, but this is me addressing the ministry of education. Okay.
1: Cool. Yeah.
3: Listen, Go mate. On. whoever you are, I don't know you who you are because you're not relevant. You haven't made a damn difference. What you should have done at the beginning of lockdown is made it clear. Look, there's all these kids that aren't going to be able to, you know, access learning. You should have 12 NZ teachers, years one through 13. 13 of them, I don't care. Does it start at year five? Sure, let's start it from five. You do the you math. Don't have children I'm yet. not the education guy.
1: And then I you're don't going have children, to, but do you know what I going do going I was a child.
3: I was a cool child. I did good at school. I worked on my brain. I studied imagine books. Okay, I studied. books. Because I don't have children, don't make mean I don't understand a child. <laughs> I'm still a child.
1: Uh, no! I'm no. I'm pretty sure that that definitely means that. I like how at the end of your monologue, you snaffled up a bunch of cheap peanuts and opened your mouth and went
3: Your time's like almost up fantastic. Your time's <laughs> almost up here. So you know what guys I'm going to change the damn logo now I'm getting excited. It's going to be a hell of a show You know what my dead dad used to call me? No. The Ice King.
1: <laughs> I barely called you. Shut up, little shit.
3: Yeah, he did. He knew I was a right prick. Um, mm. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> but no, they should have. I'm done eating that. a protein <laughs> bar.
1: These are so yummy, guys. <sighs> I'm not sponsored by anyone because obviously there's only 13 people watching the show or something tonight. But you know what we've had in a week between like 15 and 30 thousand people watching the show.
3: They watch after it's live. It's not your show, though. With no. They don't stay around for that. What no. happens is the ratings drop off. They're here for you. I can't provide they're them. only here for me. I haven't got the right chromosomes for what they're looking for. All we're Just talking minute, about is Benny? these um, incel dweebs.
1: Is... Yeah, well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> these I'm are delicious. I know these things. These protein bars? protein bars.
1: <gasps> How
3: are you talking? And it's so good. I've got a thousand it's chats from, to go through.
1: Nothing naughty. And it's like a mint chocolate one. Such a yummy flavour for at night.
3: Oliver Finley and Smith I'm would write that with
1: um so Thanos, if you haven't been watching the great content items selling no i haven't seen them selling and i feel a wee bit bad now but i don't really i just said that i want to see what you're selling though and i did see something come through on the emails that someone had sold um i saw a reference payment to like a pokies machine or, or something like a game machine and i thought what's that funny wee thing what does that mean and then i moved on with my day but um, right. things that we're selling, things that we're selling.
3: Well, that, well, that was us paying for the um, – that was us funding the show. We're basically the produ- – we're the surrogate producers because we come up with it. the cash. We actually pay yeah. your wages. <clears throat> and um, you. I own the show. And um, the thing said it was for sale. We said we'll snap it up. The second half's bought it out. You guys will know once the takeover is complete. But it's um, – it's a legal entity talkback.com
1: i completely turned out to i'm sorry it, that's not even the right website
3: that's what i'm saying it's all been switched to the second show we've bought it up we sold the spacey machine we're selling items we're selling oh, we're right, saying to the yes. people look if you give us the of money course. we'll pay for the show the show's if look if the show doesn't get any money They shut us off. We said, no, we're going to keep the lights on. You can trust us. We're going to make it happen to you. We're creating a bit of drama for the viewers and um, they love it. They couldn't be happier. So what have you you sold so far? What
1: have you sold?
3: Spacey's machines. We've sold, uh, well, that's about it. It wasn't working, uh, but we got 50 bucks. And that keeps us on here for another month. So we're doing the hard mahi, we're taking the food off of people's plates and we're shutting the lights off to keep the show going. <laughs> I'm joking. But uh, it's kind of. <laughs> From
1: true.
3: now on, it's only mahi.
1: going to be dark. We can't have lights dark. on, is that what you're saying?
3: People are going to get cold. People aren't are going to have to walk. They're going to have to catch the bus, wear their mask on the public, dirty public transport, because they're not going to be able to pay for fuel. Because they're funding our mahi. They're keeping our lights right. on. They're keeping peanuts. They're giving paying me well, peanuts. Well, you know what does that the...
1: cost you? You know to run your uh, little zone there.
3: Well, it's um, I mean, it's like costing me a hundred a week or something. Well, I used to get paid 100%. Now I'm getting paid zero. So I've had to let the government know. The government said to me, okay, you're a small business owner and you're a, you're, mm-hmm. you're a taxpaying individual. You are worthy of having your income subsidized and you can also get your resurgence. So I'm yeah. sitting pretty. I'm a paid commentator, aren't I, by the state. I'm a state actor. Are you?
1: You wow, you know what? I was actually going to say to you, and I'll say it now before I leave because it's nine fifty nine here, and I'll leave you to um, chat. Uh, you've got to
3: do your outro for your show it. before you go.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what that is. I just, just sort of say goodbye and then I wave. Is that not an outro? It is. Yeah. Um. I was going to say you should be. You should get into some acting because I think you've got a real talent. For monologue, I think that there's um, a huge opportunity for you there if you have not already seized it.
3: What we're going to do is once once they unlock us, we're going to make a we're going to travel in a crowd mob. Okay, it's going to be the next new thing. It's going to be like the Beatles. We're going to call ourselves the Cockroaches, and um, (laughs) it won't be the Cockroaches. It'll be cooler. I'll work on the name. Um, Yeah, that's fine. is, um,
1: we'll, we'll imagine
3: we'll travel in a mob and we'll pretty much bring the hype and people to be like those guys are cool who are they, I want to be like them I want to emulate them, I've said it before the, the men will want to be like us and the women will want to make make love to us it's the dream um, we're Andrew the lights says on too strong of a character
1: it would have to be a doco yeah, maybe it would have to be a doco
3: what we're going to do a is little we're in a little documentary
1: where people follow you around and you do wild monologues as you go and, and interrupt people's daily lives and interview them and see what they're doing. I can imagine you doing something like really, um, like irritating from MTV in the '90s. You know what I mean, but making it cool. I'm trying
3: Again. to be nice. I came up with this. Oh, um, yeah. this show. People find it was that called, very um, it, was called, it was called the Dastardly Do Gooders. And um, what it would be is you'd go around and be nice in really obnoxious ways. Too nice.
1: You know, when I I came up with this idea um, (laughs) a few years ago, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool, like, if you created a dating app? And I actually seriously looked into it. Created a dating app, and basically you log on, right, and you go, why did your last relationship break up? And you go through, like, the last... I don't know, however many relationships you've had, what what are your toxic traits, you know, like maybe you are really jealous or like you always want to spend time with that person or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. And so you fill out this form, yeah, you're clingy or maybe like sure. you're bad with money or like, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and, then, and then it matches you with someone who has like the opposite fucked up traits that like you love being around people or something you know someone who's clingy gets to the clingy because I,
2: yeah, I thought that would I be like brilliant it.
1: wouldn't it like why are we searching around for people with these things that we want and we've got all these, these hidden skeletons in our closet match with the skeletons put the skeleton and the skeleton together huh
3: freaky um What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think I'd get on that app. I'd want to, what I'd want is, however, because I know you would want free access, I'd want the gold pass. Mm. I'd want to be able to have a back back end access so that I could go through and um, rig the system to my own liking and just Mm. um, line up multiple dates and basically game the system. Could you give me that developer access?
2: <laughs> um,
1: might go across my uh, terms and conditions. I'll, I'll have a wee, I'll have a squizzle. I can find. I can, find, or I'll come back I can find
3: a bunch of toxic personality traits. You name What's them, I got them. Con-
1: my, I'm a control freak. What about you? Um,
3: I'm. A, I'm, I'm a, a. I'm a compulsive. Um, liar. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a compulsive liar and um, I'm a I can see that uh, yeah. I genuinely
1: could see that um, Andrew says could be called the graveyard that's really funny that's could a be. good one you know what I'm saying though like wouldn't it be such a a relieving thing to like jump on and just be like hey you know here's my shit what have you got for me anything is
3: there anyone cage? Huh? The bo- Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, narcissus. That is also a very good name. You know about narcissus, there, Benny?
3: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. I think that's a really admirable personality trait because that really cuts to the truth of the matter. You know, there's a lot of people that want to just say the right thing and try and make people feel yeah. good, but if you can okay. really get in them and, and tell tell them tell them the real truth yeah oh, you know you might you just know. find that you're living a whole bunch how more lifetimes long, stacked how
1: long because, do we um, have to like ask people these freaking questions like oh so uh, how long have you been me? well just why don't you give me your box of shit and i'll take a look and see if i can deal with it
3: well that's it absolutely right um now let's, anyway, we got so I'm many gonna chats go. that I'm going to, I'm going to scroll through these chats for the next 45, 50 minutes. Uh,
1: Dinner by Gaslight. Hell. Andrew, you're on a roll. I That's funny. But I think it would be funny even, uh, even if it was just talking, you know, you could do this with friends too. This is just a good fun thing to do. All truth is subjective. That's definitely true as well. Oh, a good chat, Matthew.
3: A lot of Rich things to digest. It. It's funny. Lot of yeah, there's a
1: digest. lot to digest. I'm going to leave you guys <laughs> with that terrible idea, uh, ruminate on it. Just feel into it. See how it sits with you, you know? Think about it for a couple of days.
3: And we had Thanks. a great show. And And um, you guys are awesome. I got a bit excited. I think we had fun. Um, we have fun. fun. You should join the late show one night. Maybe, you I know, should. have the have the um, yes. first show off if Thane's got a good guest or something. Yes. Or just do what yes. I do. The double shifter every night. Two hours yeah. a night sitting at the computer doing the mahi. Being that yeah. guy. Thanking myself. Okay. Yeah,
1: but what a speech though. What a speech. That is so funny, isn't it? yeah no, so what a good smoke dog. All right, guys. Have a okay. great night. Oh, um, say the
3: night name bye. of your show and say good night, if you would.
1: And that brings me to a close of Talk Back with Thane and Sophia. And thank you for coming and enjoy Talking Smack with Benny Mack. Or have you changed the name now?
3: No, we're keeping it.
1: Fantastic. Okay. Okay.
3: Man, oh man, what a show. What an amazing host. Uh, that was Sophia Mantel, uh, co host of Talk Back with Thane and Sophia. It is time for the official start of the episode of uh, Talking Smack with Benny Mack. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so we have had literally, uh, and I'm going to be literal because some people say that literal shit and then they say something really preposterous, but we have literally had hundreds of chats tonight and I want to take this opportunity to go through these chats because this is, of course, a talk show and your chats are, sign me in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is your opportunity as a live viewer to... um, To view but not only that but to call and there's the uh there's a link appearing at the top of your screens right now just up here by the logo um you should be able to click it maybe copy it paste it you'll need a chrome browser to sign in it's easy as pie once you've done it uh you can do it lickety split um i am backing up um this chat we have had a big chat so i haven't been able to keep up i tried to um i tried to get in there and do the chat thing halfway through but i tell you Sophia, if she you think that i dominate the conversation man oh man you know it but she she uh dominates the conversation here we go um Okay, well, I'm going to go back up to the top. Okay, do, 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 do. why is Thane gone? Um, Thane had some important things to do. He was, He's a busy guy. Um, he has got um, responsibilities to attend to. Uh, Kiwi Bear Maza, shout out to you. And um, shout out to Steve Blue um, and Selena Ann. Selena Ann there. Um, Shout out to Kiwi Bear Maza. Do, 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 do it. Um, I'm going to get down past this stuff at the beginning here. Oliver wants some Snoop merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Snoop merchandise. Hayden Brown in the chat. What's good, man? Um, what do we got here? Alex Brown. Um, oh, we got a guest? Boom! Oh, we got a guest coming up. That's cool, man. Oh man, Alex, uh, Rogan and Alex Jones in the Tim Pool's motorhome. Hashtag next level. Um, does anybody in the chat have any items for sale? Anything that you want to sell? We are looking through your garage. We are looking through your shed. We're looking through your damned basement, your attic. We are looking under your staircase, under your bed, in. In storage, have you got a storage... Have you got an entire storage locker? You know the damn one, like on Storage Wars. Have you got an entire storage locker that we can pull out? Have you got freaking mountain bikes in there? Have you got Muhammad Ali's freaking fighting gloves? I don't know, but you know what I got? I got a freaking guest on tonight's show. That's damned awesome. Um, Mr. Grant actually i'm not going dis- to i'm not going to divulge that information right now i will give you the relative information as it comes to hand but we've got an intern working backstage and i'm getting um i'm getting information fed to me through multiple multiple methods and um i, re- I mean maybe i shouldn't be eating on here i've got this uh can of that's oh, a tin of uh of peanuts okay so um i was talking about what we got here ben litter ben litter sign in you got a stream dick start vx hey look at start he got a stream dick we're gonna get him on he's gonna tell us about what a damn stream dick is because that's gonna um that's interesting that's interesting we're gonna learn we're gonna get knowledge up in your melon because we're smart we went to school we did our book learning okay who wants to do their book learning okay how do you get to be a guest ben Litter? you just gotta go on this this link man there was a link it's down there it's that last one scroll up scroll up scroll up scroll up i'm not gonna say scroll up again All right. um, Da-da-da-da-da. Ben Litter. Ben Litter. Um, Here we go. What we got here? Man, oh, man. uh, David Cronk. Nah, man. I haven't had me a haircut. I haven't had me a haircut, brother. That's not a thing. That's not a thing, but I will do. I've got clippers. I was thinking about using them.
0: I was thinking about clipping
3: them. Okay. um, We are scrolling. Scrolling,
0: scrolling, scrolling, scrolling.
3: Uh, Hayden Brown's going to call in tonight. He's going to do tarot cards, a little bit of ooky, spooky, spooky, dooky. Uh, maybe he's been learning something. Hopefully he doesn't, um, you know, do anything too wild. Uh, talking to Hayden, I think we got him on the line. Are you ready to come through there, Mr. Mister B? All right, Brother Brown, Brother Brown. If you're not, if you're Brown, you're down.
7: He's up, hose down.
3: Peace to a brother. Uh, how you doing, man? You feeling well?
7: Yeah, good, man. It's a good show. Um, Mate, big show yeah, big I was a little show. bit disappointed that Thane and Sophia are not watching our show.
3: Oh, it's probably a good thing that they aren't, mate, because I tell you, as soon as they cotton on to us, they're going to try and take us off air. They're going to use everything in their power to stop the work that we're doing here. And I don't know if you saw that look of shock and horror on Sophia's face when I explained to her that we'd taken over the fucking ownership of the production. But she looked horrified, mortified, and very confused, you know, and it was—I
7: reckon, I reckon—as soon as Sophia got off off the chat with you. <laughs> She went to yeah, Google. No, your team Go right ahead I oh, checked the website. No, she went to Google and typed in item selling.
3: Okay, so what, what she, items are we selling on tonight's folk, show, folks?
7: <laughs> I've got a, Ooh, I've got a basketball a card. Does that mean I've got a basketball card?
3: Oh, this is perfect. A basketball card. Is that a $200 item?
7: Because, you, you know, like, I've been getting in, and last week I've been getting into basketball cards because I found on my old set, and um, I bought two Kobe's last week, rookie cards, for 35 bucks. Go you. This is a Reggie Miller.
3: You joke it.
7: Yeah, Reggie Miller. He's a Hall of Famer. From probably one of the greatest teams of all time, the Indiana Pacers. Legendary. So, so, I know there's a lot of Indiana Pacers people, fans that quite are watching. Quite possibly. The show. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably. A, there's a massive amount of Indiana Pacers fans that are watching the show.
3: It's certainly possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's highly unlikely, but it's quite possibly impossible.
7: $200
3: uh, that's a $200 item so if anybody wants to get involved this is a $200 item we are starting the bidding off at that price if you want to increase the bidding of course it will go up in $5 uh, increments if you want to increase in $20 increments just hold up two fingers like that and we will bump in $20 increments when we get the bidding started I want everyone to get involved because if you are holding back on the bid you are not going to be into to win and that's what it's about here tonight yes Hayden line is yours
7: 1994, and you can see you can see here it's got electric court.
3: Yes, it is. And uh, what does that electric court refer to? Is that when they used to electrify the players to make them jump?
7: Exactly. And people that, and that had shoe right. sponsorship, they would jump higher. So if they had a um, Reebok pumps,
3: they could tap they, into the pump.
7: They could pump it up. I always thought
3: that was dubious when they started using technology like pumped up shoes uh, to make them jump a little bit higher. Um, was that some sort of, was that trusting the science? Was that sports science? I knew I knew they used to teach it in school. I never got it. Um, was it down to the shoe or was it down to um, some sort of electrified scam?
7: Well, as you know, Benny, they started it in Switzerland. Um, Switzerland. Yeah. And Switzerland's a neutral country. So uh, usually that kind of shit gets away. You can pretty much do whatever you want in Switzerland. No one's going to arrest you. Um, So they started bringing it into the NBA, and then people were like, yeah, nah, you're not allowed to do that. And that is why this Reggie Miller card is worth more. Because Reggie, Reggie Miller
3: that's a high value item
7: his mum's dad's cousin's brother
3: that's a high value item
7: used to live in Switzerland
3: we've got kawaii uh, good times telling me to take my glasses off inside um, racist I appreciate I appreciate the sentiment but I will tell you that I um, uh, somebody's, somebody's I have, I have a medical a... condition
7: Somebody's put it through a link of a Reggie Miller, Andrew David Cronk.
3: Really? Okay, what well, we're gonna do is we're going to uh, Okay, I'm gonna see if I'm able to copy that uh, item. Yeah. How do I copy the damned item? Isn't this frustrating?
7: Yeah, we can't say what how how much is it going for on there, Andrew David Cronk? Yeah, eighty K. We're only selling it for 200 New Zealand. Yeah,
3: look, I can't <laughs> open that tab from where I'm situated because I'll have to type that out as an individualized data set. Yeah, I'm not willing to do that at this juncture. Um,
7: exactly. Andrew David Kronk, like, so you shit out back.
3: Yeah, See. <laughs> okay, Ben Litter. Shuck it, um in a shucker, but it's not showing up there. But it's basically that. Shuckering it. And, um... Oh, Littler. Oh, shit! Sorry, Littler. Um, that was highly Littler. offensive, calling him sh- uh, Litter. You can't call a guy Littler Litter, because litter's trash. And then, then your words are as good as trash. And then when a man's words are as good as trash, his
7: words ain't. Good. Ben Littler. Of, Littler. <laughs> he was a man who came from nothing. His name was Littler. Everything. Ben Littler.
3: He was a man who started his journey and he ended it off by winning. He was on In a, a journey
2: of winners.
3: Why? Because he continued to win throughout his journey. Not only was it a great battle, but it was also a victorious journey of winning.
7: In a world where nothing is complete, please welcome Ben Littler. Yes, I do have Jordan cards. Um Diamebag, Desert. Okay, I've,
3: I've got a line. How about this one? Wait, wait. In a world of getting lit, who got more lit than Littler? <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> motherfucker.
7: He I'm was the lit. littest. Ben Littler! <laughs> he was the most lit person on the entire world. Ben Littler.
3: Who's uh, the littiest lit lit who ever lit? Littler, motherfucker! Ben Littler! Learn that name. Get hey, that alert name. Get praising on hey, your you fucking brain, You better not, not
7: come around upgrade, here. Motherfucker. <laughs> you better not come around here talking about Ben Littler. You're in my neighborhood. This is Ben Littler or fucking neighborhood here.
3: You think you're coming around here like you own the place? You don't know shit, motherfucker. This is Littlerville. If you're not a Littler, you ain't shit. Eat a dick, bitch. This is goddamn Littler.
7: You can't talk shit around here about Ben Littler. You haven't seen Ben Littler for five to ten years.
3: If you bowl up in here like a motherfucker saying "Litter," like it's some piece of trash, you don't know shit, motherfucker. It's Littler. This and is
7: Littler Town. This is where he's from. This is Ben Littler Town. This is where. <laughs> I think I've got the. I think I've got the name locked in. Yes, uh, Ben on. Littler's yeah. a good guy. But that's um,
3: what they say don't you? That's what they say in sort of team building and mastery of business um and also in public speaking they say you can't can
7: around here to about huh? you can't talk about litter uh around here
3: but <laughs> oh, <my video>. oh.
0: <laughs> you need you, you, you bring um, up the name t- <laughs> you, you even
7: talk about <laughs> Yeah, You've been done. talking about being <laughs> be yeah, around here. You need let that gag
3: land, you know? <laughs> yeah, you need to let that gag really land now by not saying it for a couple of minutes. But hey, what I'm going to talk about right here is um, uh, oh, Jonathan Kampala sounding more country than you. I appreciate you, Kampala. Um, is that coming up on screen? There we go. Uh, Hopefully so, that wasn't. I don't too even bad. know. Um, I'm just I, taking the piss out. I was screaming. <laughs> I was screaming. Hey, we've got a uh, live view. Oh, we've actually got our guest here, do we? How are we doing there, um, Selenia? Are we ready to go? <laughs> Maybe we've been ready. Okay. Um, it looks like we are, Hayden. Hey, are you happy to just um, wait backstage? It looks like we've got our uh, very, very special guest uh, all queued up in the studio. Ian Littler. Uh, no, not Littler. His namesake. Um... <laughs> Grant Grant Norman James.
7: Okay, yeah. I'm only coming out... Put me backstage until Littler is there. Okay, cool,
3: cool, 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 cool. Uh, Littler on the roof. All right, I'm just going to remove... <laughs> now, just, just before we bring Grant through, sorry, Grant, I've just got to take care of business. Maria Marcel, Showtime, if you can please join us on the show, we are inviting you. This is a talkback show. I do it every every night. We're trying to uh, grow the show. it would be awesome to do an interview with you. Uh, we've been a fan of the work you do here. And Showtime, um, well, with mother, 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 <laughs> mother, uh, kiwi bear, mother. Uh, introduced us uh, to you, and um, we can promote your channel. Oh, you're in bed. Oh, well, even better. Perfect. Uh, completely up to you, of course. Okay, here we go. we got Grant on the show, a very special guest. Yo, brother Grant. Hello. How are you doing? Bro?
5: I'm good. How are you?
3: Good, mate. If, if you got any headphones,
5: that could be awesome. Could, um, I don't. I, when I was talking to Selena, I just sort of said I was going to pop in because um, I actually had something I had to do. But yeah, we could try and adapt.
3: Yeah, okay. So what we can do is I'll just mute you um, while I talk. Uh, Well, welcome on board to the show, my guy. Thanks for coming through. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty loose show, uh, to be completely honest with you, Uh, but it gets a lot of replay views, apparently. Uh, That's what the producers tell me. Um, We, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your backstory, if you would.
5: All right. Well, where do I start? That's the thing. Um, Well, I grew up in New Zealand, was born in Nelson, Um, traveled around a bit as a kid, here sort of uh, my parents uh, my father was in the forestry so sort of was located in different areas around new zealand and spent the last sort of years of my life in uh, southland otago before i left new zealand um i did a bachelor of commerce at uh, otago university and that was a good time um but i sort of wanted to get a bit of a overseas experience so at the time i was working at the wharf down in the port of otago and Saved up enough cash to to head out overseas and decided to um, head to Mexico. And around around 1998, um, mainly mainly to go surfing. Actually, that was the that was the driving force behind the, the that sort of expedition. And then um, sort of go over and meet up with a few Kiwi mates over in London um, after spending some time in Mexico. So that's sort of the beginning of of my overseas uh, sort of get out of New Zealand, and um, and that's what I did. I sort of backpacked my way um, from LA down through Mexico in around 10, 11 months, sort of made my way down through South America and sort of ended up in Costa Rica in the end. Uh, loved it, it was a, an amazing time. Um, a lot of good surfing in, in that year. And then um, I went to London after that, but I did make a little stopover in New York and I'd never been to New York, so it was always a, a place on my bucket list. Um, dropped in there for a couple of weeks, didn't really think much of it. I thought it was awesome city, but then sort of headed out to London to do my sort of um, work visa and whatnot, like like a lot of Kiwis do. Um, and then I, yeah. So then I went to London. Um, when I got to London, as as most of us do, we sort of hit the ground running and, and uh, go to the timeout and look for jobs. Um, so I did, did that straight away and sort of met up with a couple of mates that let me sleep on their floor as they do. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sort of where it all started. I sort of got involved in a, um, an early kind of, well, I would say, you know, running around doing odd jobs, working for agencies and things like that until I sort of got on my feet And then I managed to score uh, an amazing job. Was very lucky um, at a company called Black Diamond Films. And um, at the time, that was a um, a film company that was sort of specialising in extreme sports footage, um, mainly sort of skiing, Warren Miller, things like that. And they were sort of, you know, what's that?
3: Very nice. Yeah, I'm actually a uh, bit of a skier myself. Got my skiing shirt on as you can see and um yeah okay warren miller yeah real legend and uh tell us a bit more about uh
5: that well okay, i'm just plugging my phone and he's so all right so yeah well funnily enough you know i was looking around for jobs and uh, me being a sort of growing up in new zealand being quite into you know skiing snowboarding and surfing and whatnot and uh and I'd gone over and surfed overseas and sort of ended up in London. I ha- had sort of, you know, that typical surfy look with a sort of half dreadlock sort of matty hair and whatnot. And and here I am out in London looking for, you know, my sort of first official, let's say, you know, corporate job under the guise of like my, my degree and whatnot. And so I was like, oh, well, let's, let us let me cut my hair off and tidy my, my act up a bit, you know, because that was yeah. everyone's advice. Yeah. You know i better clean yourself up and go get a job so i was like all right well funnily enough the place that i got the job i walked into the interview and the guy that i was interviewing me had like you know shoulder length dreads and of course you know once he started talking to me and and sort of seen that i was a kiwi and i've sort of been growing up with a background of uh, snowboarding and surfing and bmx and all all that kind of stuff because i did compete in bmx when i was a kid um, it was a pretty much a, a no-brainer for them, so they hired me on the spot. Um, so yeah, I never really had to cut my dreams off at all. But anyway, long story short, it was done, and um, yeah, I went in there as the sales and marketing manager. Um, it was an amazing job. Um, I was very fortunate to to get in with that group of people, and that sort of was really like a like a launching pad for m- multiple different facets of where my my life path would sort of go um, you know getting involved in the extreme sports footage and and events and marketing and promoting and at that time we were we were selling VHS tapes of of um, you know, productions made by yeah, all kinds of yeah. different producers from all different, you know, facets of extreme sports. And we were, you know, selling these tapes into your local uh, sports stores where you would go and you'd buy them and, you know, you'd go home and watch them before you go surfing or BMXing or, or, or skiing or whatnot. So it was a great, you know, it was a great time and I got to meet a lot of good people and um, one person uh, in particular was a, a mate named Benjamin Sturdy and he... He wasn't actually uh, a part of the company I was working for, he, he just had a sort of desk and he was mates with one of the, the, the sort of the director guy that was a part of the company and he sort of run his own real estate thing that was was a part of the office but not really a part of the office and part of the business. But anyway, long story short, we got we got quite close and he was really into um, sort of techno and, and dance music and that sort of you know, like yeah, late yeah. or early 90s, kind of late 80s. He was he was a little bit older than me and um, he sort of was really sort of into that and we kind of struck, struck up a, a really good friendship. And yes, the, the corporate job, the sales and marketing job, that did really well. Um, we produced an amazing catalogue, which I sort of, you know, helped with the, you know, with the idea of, hey, why don't we just, instead of putting out a catalogue with just the latest releases, why don't we put out a catalogue with every release that we've ever done that we've got any uh, tape for that we can duplicate and sell and the yeah. rights to, yeah. let's just do the whole gamut and just do the, the biggest catalogue we've ever done. And um, that's what we did. And, and that, that year we broke all the, the sales um, goals and and sort of went over and above what they've done in pretty much ever. So... That was a good thing for me because it was sort of driven by one of my ideas. So um, we did really well and I made a few bonuses. But on that um, on that parallel path, I was, you know, sort of getting involved with um, the dance music scene and the techno scene and sort of different people in London. And through uh, Bim, who's Benjamin, um, we call mm. him Bim, um, we started sort of going out and he was introducing me to some people and I had a real, like, you know, sort of, I guess, closet passion for dance music because I'd already sort of been going to some early raves in New Zealand and sort of been inspired by some of these sort of, like, you know, offbeat sort of jungle-type rave events at the beaches down in um, Otago and and sort of, you know, all, all around Southland, wherever they sort of would pop up, these sort of underground um, dance music music sort of events and um, so that really sort of sparked my interest at that time and I got quite involved and the way I sort of got involved with one of these bigger ideas at the time was through bim introduced me to a um, well he said he was an ex producer of the Arrhythmics which I believe he was I did a bit of research on his on his name his name was Alex I can't remember his surname at this point in time but but he had this location under London Bridge that I think it was his lease. It was essentially under London Bridge. It was the arch. It was called the Arches, and it was a big car park during the day. And it was beautiful. It was like it had these big, beautiful brick arches and and these big rooms, and it was just like a really cool uh, London sort of space. And um, at that time, he was interested in. Uh, the weekends when they clear out the car park and basically turn this space into an event space. So one thing led to another, and next minute we all were sort of working as a team. We we teamed up with this guy called Kid, who was a promoter, and we started kind of throwing these um, early, I guess, underground uh, rave type events, techno events. We sort of brought in sound, and I did bartending and and whatnot, and basically everything else in between. And um, it was amazing. Um, It was sort of one of some of the the most sort of inspiring moments um, in my journey, and that really sort of locked me into that sort of passion for for dance music and and throwing events and sort of giving a space for people to, you know, just have a good time and be free, you know? So that ended up turning into quite a, a, a successful Venture. I, I dipped out quite early because I'd made other plans to keep travelling. And they actually um, turned that space into a club called the, the Drome. And that actually became an official space. And um, it was one of the very sort of popular spaces um, at that period of time in London, under London Bridge. It was on uh, right. Right. 11, 11 Stainer Street, I think it was. But yeah, so so that was very cool. Um But I had kind of um, made a decision because I'd met, you know, I'd met a a woman, as we do, um, in my travels, and she was from Canada and she had gone home previously and we'd stayed in touch and I sort of thought to myself, well, look, things are going really well here, um, but if I kind of stay now, you know, maybe I won't make that move or seize the moment or, or sort of, you know... Take that opportunity now, while I'm I'm not, you know, while I'm young enough to do it, and just move now and keep 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 it rolling, kind of thing. So I, I, I up and left. <laughs> I um I sort of cashed out on all the projects, managed to put away a bit of money, and and then I, I came home for a quick visit to New Zealand to see my family and say hi to everyone, and then I I, I went off to Canada, and I sort of landed in um in um, what was that? Ottawa, which is the capital, not. Not the most popular place that people would visit. Um, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, though they're probably the main uh, cities where you would go in Canada. But Ottawa is a, an interesting place, and um, I, you know, I, that was where my partner was from at the time. So that was sort of the next sort of journey, and I met a, uh, I met a DJ there because obviously I was like, well, here, where's the, um, where's the music in, in Ottawa? Because Ottawa's quite a well, it's it's a capital city, so you know what I mean? At that time, it was um, very, you know, financially based, uh, government based, you know? So quite a straight-edged city. So things like dance music would be more associated with, like, Toronto and, and Montreal, you know? That they, they would be where you would go if you wanted to hear some sort of cool underground uh, clubbing and, and things like that. Whereas Ottawa was a little bit more, um, you know, straight-edged. So a lot of pubs and things like that, but not so many dance clubs. So yep. what it ended up, ha- yep. yep. So what ended up happening is I, I, I just said bugger it one day and, and I must be just asking some random people and they're like, oh well, the only place you get that kind of music is is over at this gay club, and I was like, oh okay, I was like, all right. And that, at the time, you know, I'd not had really that much experience with 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 you know, coming from New Zealand. Um, and I just said, oh, well, bugger it, you know, l- let me go and see what it's like. Um, they said, uh, you know, there's some mixed crowd there, but it's predominantly a, a, um, you know, a club, uh, a gay club for, for, for whatever intents and purposes. And, um, I said, well, stuff it. And I went over and, and I just went through and had one of the best nights I've ever had, you know, like the DJ, um, was amazing. It's a guy named Joe Juarez and, uh, He's a pretty old-school house DJ from from Canada, and and he's Mexican-born, but he's been living in Canada most of his life. Pretty well-known guy, and it was an amazing night. Um, I went home, didn't really meet the DJ or anything, and just sort of, you know, did my thing. The next couple of days, I was out in town, and I ran into this guy, and he remembered me from the night. And he's like, "Oh, hey, you know, I remember you. You were over at the dance club the other night." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, you were the DJ." And he said, "Yeah, hello, blah blah blah." And we ended up having a coffee together. And he's like talking to me. He's like, "What are you up to?" And I'm like, "Well, I've been, you know, running around looking for work and trying to figure out what's going on." I'm, so, I'm sort um, of here so, on a um, yep, What go, year
2: he, is that?
5: That would have been so ninety eight into ninety nine. Um, so sort of 98, 99 was when I was in London. Um, Very early, you know, late 97, early 98 was when I was in Mexico. Um, And then this would have been uh, 99 going into 2000. Yep. So, so yeah. So after meeting Joe, he said, well, hey, you know, maybe you want to sort of get involved helping me out. Um, You know, at the time I was on a, on a traveling visa, so I couldn't really, you know, work, Legitimately, so I just sort of made an arrangement with him. He'll help me out, and I'll help him out a little bit, you know. And and um, and then I was undergoing the process of of getting a uh, visa through a um, a company that I was at the time sort of working for during the day, and it was a uh, it was an, a company called Alarmbridge, which they did um, security systems like ADT and whatnot. But they were sort of taking their time at getting my visa, and so you know, this was sort of just my fun side project. And he's like yeah you know let's let's um do some you know we'll, we'll throw some events and whatnot and he sounds like you know he liked my attitude and he liked the fact that I had a little bit of background in it so we sort of started working together and throwing um we kind of came up with this this idea called feel it fridays and it was a house music underground house music event and it was a an open event to to anyone of all all types you know gay straight purple red black it doesn't matter you know and that was our whole attitude that you know it's all about the music and um yeah it did it did really well um it became one of the most successful nights in in um in ottawa at the time um yeah we packed out the club and and through that i got a job at a a club called atomic just sort of doing the lights and and doing lighting and lighting programming because i sort of learned that as, as a, a thing that I was sort of doing with Joe when we were doing our Fridays at a club called Icon and um, and then I got invited to another place to do lights and then ended up doing lights behind some of the biggest DJs in the world at the time you know um, there was DJs like Richie Horton, um, John Aquaviva, um, David Morales I mean these are all the famous New York and Canadian and and there was other international DJs. I mean, DJ Sneak, well, he's a Chicago DJ. There was a lot of Detroit, Chicago, New York DJs that would go up to that area. So that was amazing. I mean, that was uh, that was a you know, sort of landed in a in a really unique spot there. It was to sort of, you know, doing the lights behind these at the time the most sort of famous DJs of in the world for that kind of music. So um that was really what kind of cracked the egg in, in, in terms of like me wanting to further my my interest in dance music. And I mean, you know, I was, I was also doing my business stuff, you know, sort of applying it to all this as I went along. Um, but it really sort of got a passion um, sparked up for music. Um, and, and on more on the, the, the being involved with the production and the and the sound and the um, and the DJing and and the lighting and whatnot. So, you know, that's sort of where I went. And I spent a year there. It was it was one of one of the best times of my life. I, I love uh, I love Canadians. I mean, they're really down to earth. Um, they're really solid people. Really sort of genuine and um, quite you know good there was a lot of good bonding between the Kiwi, uh, wildlife and, and, and the Canadians that are, that I at least, uh, had experiences with. And we spent a lot of time in Montreal. It was one of the most amazing cities. I mean, you've got the, you know, it's that French Canadian part of it. Um, so that was very cool. And some of the best clubs I've ever been to, um, probably I would say in Montreal, there was a, um, famous club called stereo and, uh, that's where I first heard of a DJ called Danny Tenaglia. Um, Danny Tenaglia is in my mind, probably one of the best and most, I would say even underrated, even though he's not underrated within the DJ scene, he is considered the DJ's DJ. So he's a very unique individual. Um, he's born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And, uh, started DJing very early sort of 80s and you know disco disco roller disco stuff um but anyway I did see him the first time in a, in a club called Stereo in Montreal with my Canadian mates and um that just blew my mind I mean I'm talking about a club that was in a uh, an old theatre so the acoustics were amazing right from the get-go and then they'd gone in and they'd um They'd also added acoustical baffling to the existing space. So there was like, um, the walls were were porous. It was like, the walls had like holes, little holes, um, like boards with holes, you know, like in shops where you might put those little hangers on those boards with all those holes that you can kind of hang brackets and whatnot. Well, they'd kind of built out a club like that with like padding and and acoustic absorption underneath all that stuff. So... Yeah, so they had these beautiful. I mean, at the time, it was the biggest speakers that I'd ever seen. I mean, you know, they're they're like sixteen foot towers of of speakers, and there were six of them located on the dance floor. They probably fit a thousand or two people in there, and it was just it was absolutely amazing. It was um it was actually a system designed by Angel Marias who is as a New Yorker, and he's a sound system builder. At that time, that was the system that was in stereo. It had a few changes over the years, but that that's always been a very famous um, club in the in the um, sort of underground house and techno world. So yeah, once I sort of you know sort of got the bug, I I was all go, and I ended up um, I ended up actually getting <laughs> removed from Canada. Long story short is that the company that I had been working for, um, Alarm Bridge, who had been putting in my application, well, they had kind of tried to pull a fast one on me and they hadn't really put in an application that, you know, trying to get me to go out and work and they weren't really following through on their due diligence in terms of getting me a visa. So what ended up happening is... Um, yeah, so, so they sort of came to me and said, oh, you know, gave me a few excuses, this and that and the next thing. But at the end of the day, um, I'd already sort of been working for them, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it sort of got to that point. Now, I don't know if it was, if it was really, the, it, that really wasn't the reason why I was um, asked to leave or violated my visa. Um, funnily enough, when I went to my extension interview, I... Um, they asked me a few questions, and and my partner at the time, she was just out in the waiting area, and they were like, "Oh, who's that?" And I was, "Oh, that's my girlfriend." And they're like, "Oh, your girlfriend? Where's she from?" "Oh, she's from Quebec." "Oh, really? So she's Canadian citizen?" "Oh, yeah, yeah, no, she's Canadian citizen." "Oh, well, crikey, that that voids your visa." And I was like, "Void's my visa?" "Like, well, yes, because you can't have any." Reason or attachment to any reason why you would want to stay on, you know, above and beyond a tourist visa, and I was just like, "What?" And no shit, like that was just like that was a that was a that blew my mind. You know, I was sort of like, "I get it, I get the logic behind it," but you know, the uh, yeah, it was a pretty tough one. So they gave me literally like five days to pack my bags and leave. Um, that was a bit of a tough moment, you know, um, I was really, really sort of starting to fit into that, that position where I was in that place and had a good thing going for me and a good relationship. And yeah, and that's what, um, ended up leading me to New York. Um, literally from Ottawa, one of the closest buses out of there would be to go out into America and go in the bus to New York, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, I had a cousin that was uh, a nanny. She was a nanny for a for a uh, American family over in, in, in Connecticut, close to New York. So I said, "Well, I don't really have an option." I Kind of had to feel out in the family of like what to do. And they said, "Well, go get on this bus, take your stuff, and let's figure it out." And I'll go get a visa to get back into Canada. So that's what I did. Jumped on a bus. Um, went went to New York you know, got in on a, on a visitor's visa to the US and then started the process of, you know, trying to get my visa to go back into Canada. Well, that ended up being an absolute nightmare because, you know, once you've got a, a, a sort of like a, I guess an X on your record, so they sort of marked it that I overstayed my visa because what ended up happening is when I left, they gave me this piece of paper and they said, make sure you hand this in at the border. And I said, yeah, okay. And that's a record of me leaving. Now, if I really wanted to argue it, I could go back and show passport. There's got to be data um, on the American side that I came in at that time. Um, But the piece of paper, I ended up giving it to the American um, consulate or the the American um, border. Because when the bus goes out of Canada, it doesn't stop at the Canadian border. It just goes straight into the American one and drives sort of half a K through and just stops you to start getting processed. So I I gave the piece of paper to these um, Americans and they sort of looked at me and said, oh, well, you know, whatever, and just sort of threw it to the side. I thought that's who I was supposed to give it to. After finding out, I wasn't supposed to give it to them. I was supposed to go to the Canadian one to show that I'd left. So (laughs) it was a bit of a, yeah, it was a bit of a frustrating situation to say the least. Um, So that caused a lot of headaches. I did try and get back into Canada by just going up on a bus and they literally like, denied me access and made me sit on like a concrete floor for 10 hours um, until my uh, partner at the time came and picked me up. Um, but yeah, after that, I sort of said, well, flag it, you know, I I'd, I'd better think of other things to do. So I ended up um, staying in New York and, um, and ended up getting a job at a record company. <laughs> so So things sort of worked out yeah and then i got got a job with a, a company called satellite records and satellite records at the time was the largest online dance music retailer uh pretty much in the world and it was out of um it was out of new york's out of manhattan so yeah one thing led to an X, and i sort of got a job there and um Yeah, they actually sponsored me and got me a visa for the US and that's how I got my uh, work status in the US. They actually did a sponsorship. Um, Being that I'm from New Zealand and uh, have a unique knowledge of the Australasian dance music and also the the knowledge of Canada and other places that I um, had, it it was a valid reason for them to hire me as their uh, market research analyst and marketing manager so I got approval for that um and then then that's really where I got deep into the DJing and and um and dance music and and selling vinyl and kind of uh DJ equipment I was one of the early sort of this in this time would have been around 2000 2001 you know what I mean and then I sort of stayed with them right up until about 2003 when they started to like slow down because of um, oh no actually it would have been long because nine nine eleven was in two thousand and one right when the twin towers crashed I uh-huh. believe so right uh-huh. yeah so that's so 9/11, 2001 two thousand and one I've been working at satellite for probably about a year or a little bit less. That that was one of the that was one of the turning points in in dance music and not only in dance music but also in in the turning points between DJs playing vinyl records and DJs playing MP3s or, or off USB sticks or CDs. Because basically what happened is it had already been brewing, um, you know, there was already people starting to play on non-vinyl um, formats, you know, like CDs and whatnot. And we market and promoted CDs like Sasha and other DJs, John Digweed and a few things. But that was really the the turning point when it came to to vinyl switching over to to MP3s, especially in New York, and I think that trickled down to the rest of the world because what happened is all the vinyl retailers all around the world, they were quite dependent on record stores like Satellite. We had three or four stores in the US and a huge online business, and we were selling thousands and thousands of records. So what ended up happening is they shut down. Over like a course of months because of 9-11. And then it was just a steamrolling effect of the distributors and then money not getting paid, and then basically debt, and then not being able to access vinyl. So DJs were kind of forced into seeking other mediums of of how to get their music. Wow. Even wow, though it was wow. yeah, it was all yeah, crazy. It was, kind of crazy. Almost
3: like, um... Where we are today with this pandemic, sort of cutting off the supply chain, forcing people into a different way of doing commerce, um, very interesting. Interesting.
5: Absolutely. I mean, I think if we look at history, you know, the, 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 there's, there's moments like these that you'll see that, that kind of almost, they, they don't, they sort of create a change it's like the, it's it's a change that's already brewing it's like things that are bubbling underneath the surface you know but but like a thing like a pandemic or like a like a thing like 9-11 or or like we had a blackout there in new york for a whole week at one time or 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 you know what i mean like a, like a huge flood a or, point, or yeah a turning point and I think you're right, that's sort of where we are in the world in a much larger way than 9-11. I mean, because the pandemic is is just a global phenomenon. It's, just, it's on another level, but it's definitely creating these turning points in so many facets of life and, and the way we live and the way we think and also within commerce as well. Um, but yeah, that that was a big part of of that change and at that at that point in time, I sort of rode that wave in a way because I sort of thought to myself, well, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of money left in the vinyl at the moment. That was a dying like market. Yeah. So but people were getting into DJing in the digital realm and I thought, well, let me go into DJ equipment. You know, yeah, CD hard players, players. Hardware. hardware. So I went into hardware and software. And I, and I started working for a company called Top DJ Gear and I sort of basically went in there as a business director, re-shuffled you know, their business and got them all the different suppliers because I'd already been doing um, that side of things, merchandise at Satellite Records as well as a part of one of my little side projects. We were okay. selling okay. equipment out of the stores. Um, so because I had all those connections to DJs, I went into this company and we sort of brought all the DJs over to us and also you know, expanded into all this, this popular equipment that sold. And that, that place got really quite popular. That was a couple of years I was there, probably into like 2003, 2004, um, maybe 2005. And, um, that was really, really cool. And one thing I sort of always had a bit of a passion for outside of the DJing and all that and the music and the production. And I was already sort of messing around with music producing at that time. Um, There's there's quite a unique little story about that. I came back to New Zealand really quickly in 2000, at the end of 2000, 2001. It was in order for me to fly back and re-enter the States with a B1 visa in order for me to get my H1B1, right? So I had to come home to New Zealand for about a month or so. So I came home and um, at the time my family was in Dunedin. And uh, I went up to a coffee shop uh sort of on the main street of Dunedin um, and one of the guys was saying, hey, come over. I met, I met him a while back through a DJ at Bath Street because I've DJed at Bath Street, which is a famous uh, Dunedin club from back in the day, dance music and hip hop and whatnot. Um But anyway... You know, I met this guy, so he said, come over and I'll give you some CDs of this real cool, like, sort of international tribal um, stuff. I've got a whole database of it and I'll give you a couple of CDs. I was like, oh, great. So I went to his coffee shop and he had a few, he had a little computer stations for people to sit down and do internet. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. internet cafe. Yeah, yeah, little, cafe. yeah, little internet, early internet cafes with PCs, you know, with the, the big square screens and, and whatnot. And, you, and you, you had those like headphones that you would put on that, that you would get at the airplane. Those those kind of flimsy little headphones. No, and that's he, yeah, so yeah. so he had a um, he had a computer, and I, while he was burning the CDs, I sat down, I started messing with this program called um, what was it called? Fruity Loops. Yeah, and it's a, it's yeah. an early yeah it's an early program. I had a bit of experience with it because um, I started using like. Um, I think Reason, Fruity Loops, and things like that, and Orion, yeah. some really odd, oddball ones back in the day on PC. And I sat down, and I made this sort of techno track, not thinking much. I sort of just did it, you know, with these shitty headphones. Yeah. yeah. And and he's like, oh, I'll bounce that for you when when you leave. And I said, oh yeah, that'd be cool. So he bounced it, and then I I had a DJ gig at Bar Street uh, that night or the next night, and I I remember playing it in the club, and it sounded all right. It didn't really. At the time, I just didn't think much of it, you know. And I yeah. put it away and put it in my CD, CD book. And and then, you know, weeks went past. I got my shit together and went back to New York and and got my visas and all that. And when I was back at Satellite, Danny Tenaglia, I had met him and he was coming into the record store and buying records. And he really liked the records I'd pull for him when I was giving him records to listen to. So he ended up asking me to DJ at this big club called Vinyl. So I ended up DJing there and just to sort of summarise, like it's very privileged um, to be asked by Danny Tenaglia to go and DJ. So I ended up becoming really good friends with the guy and he ended up having me play with him over the course of three to four years at some of the biggest clubs in New York. So I was kind of like an opening or a closing DJ for him. And I sort of, you know, helped him out on selecting music and things like that. Oh, but in that, oh, to- in that time, yeah, and that was really sort of, people started to get to know me. And so they named me, they basically named me. Like, I, I went by DJ Grant at the time when I was at Satellite. And they sort of, Danny Tanagli, when he took me on, he put me on a flyer because um, someone had introduced him to me as Kiwi. You know, not... Not yeah, like, yeah. Ki- yeah, as a Kiwi. And he thought that I was called Kiwi. So, funnily, like, with the very first thing he he put me on a flyer, it was Kiwi. It was like DJ Kiwi from New Zealand. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do here, you know? <laughs> like, this is a bit much. <laughs> but um, so I ended up changing it to K1W1, and the ones were just sort of, you know, to sort of, I, don't, I mean, I was born November eleventh, so it was just, I don't know, it was a way of me putting a spin on it. Sure, and that yeah. and that had been that's been my artist name and and DJ name for man, it must be close to twenty years now. Um, I've got a bunch of productions out under it on Beatport and and um, Bandcamp and whatnot, and um, yeah, K One W One is is the artist name. And I was DJing one night where he had me open up, and I must have left my c- CDs. Uh, well, I'd taken most of my CDs, but I'd left the the last CD I'd played that night was one of those tribal tracks from the internet cafe guy, and I must have yeah. left it, and yeah. I must have left it in the CD player. And then Danny came on; he played his set, but he must have had to take my CD out when when it, when when he went to start, and he put it in his book by mistake, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
5: Two to three weeks later, I'm at the club dancing away, 1,000 people, 1,500 people there, it's packed, you know, and I hear this track coming through the sound system, Danny Tanigli is playing, and I'm like, gosh, oh my God, I recognize this track, I literally got, you know when you get chills and the, and the hairs stand up on your neck and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's what happened, and I was like, oh, I know this track, you know, like it's, it's that, it's that Richie Horton track, you know, like, because Richie Horton's a very good techno producer, and then like, 15 seconds into the track I started realising wait a minute wait a minute this is the track that I made and he had discovered this track unknowingly it didn't have my name on it it just had this it was just called Acoustic and yeah I went up to him after, after the gig and I said where did you get that song from? he's like oh I found it on a thing is it yours? I said oh yeah I actually made that track he's like I absolutely love it um, and you know Can I have it? And I said, sure you can. Well, over the next few years, he played it in every biggest event, 10,000 people, 5,000 people. Funnily enough, I still haven't released that track yet. (laughs) Um, Wow. Weird, I know. You would think someone would just, you know, run with it. But I don't know. I just sort of did my own thing. And I I just appreciated all all the love that I got from it. From the DJs and and um, it was played all over the world, but I mean it's still it's still there. And and I've just talked to Danny Tenaglia recently, you know, and he said, "Look, I'm I'm still happy to do a remix with you, and we can release this." And I said, "Oh, well, you know, maybe." Um, but yeah, so that's sort of the DJ side of things. And I've been DJing twenty years now, and. I got into starting my own business in New York kind of obviously because you can't sort of survive on just DJing and whatnot, especially when you're living in New York. Um, And I had a passion for sound uh, as an audio side and a sort of producer audio freak. So when I was working for that equipment company, I started doing installations in small bars and started installing speakers and amps and sound systems. And that just grew and grew and grew. And then I had a crew and then I ended up starting my own business and then I ended up doing, you know, one of the biggest, um, bars in Times Square called Tonic Lounge and, you know, four floors with TVs, security cameras, beautiful sound system, hundred thousand dollar job. And then I was doing all the Irish bars and then a hotel and then, you know, so I was doing hundreds of places by, by the, the time that the years passed doing, um, audio installations and I became a pretty well-known audio engineer um and within within my own business um business is called basic matter and um I also built one of the more famous comedy clubs in New York called Gotham Comedy Club and um yeah so I was hired on by them and you know probably about 10 years ago or more when they first had opened up, maybe 10, 11 years ago now. Probably more, because it's a while back. But the owner, Chris Mazzilli, he became a very good friend of mine. And um, they started doing HBO and um, Access TV and and uh, virtual VR and all these kind of like offshoots of, of, um, of HBO once they'd sort of done HBO. So I ended up working in television doing audio engineering for um, for that, and that got me into a whole lot of other stuff, which was um, working for like NFL, working for NBA. I worked um, for the D-League and we did a, um, a series of, of D-League events where we we um, put it online. It was an online recording, but I did all the audio engineering and work with TriCasters and, and all that kind of video stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool working in the TV and production side of things and sort of seeing cool things happen. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld walked in one day and did a, did a like, you know, just a off the cuff set at one of the comedy clubs. Um, I got to, to meet a lot of uh, cool actors and like guys like Steve-O and, and uh, uh, Cheech and Chong. Um, Who else? Oh gosh. Uh, Pamela Anderson. (laughs) Pamela Anderson is is a lot smarter than she's been portrayed over the years. Um, she was a very good host on one of the one of the um, Access TV live at Gotham shows, um, but yeah, that so that sort of all really grew my interest for um, audio engineering, and then lo and behold, in two thousand and eleven, I had a car accident, and um, just out of the blue, um, there was a there was a bit of a construction on a bridge. And um, when I'd exited the bridge, um, something must have happened, whether the car had hit a pothole or, or something. I don't have a memory of it because I was unconscious for, for quite a few days. Um, but unfortunately, in that accident, I ended up losing my left arm um, due to just what happened, the position of it, whatever it may be, the condition of me when I went into hospital and they decided to save my life they would uh, amputate my arm and give me the best chance, you know? Yes. So, it was it was a crazy thing. It was like a strike of lightning, you know? It was just like something that you'd never expect and I mean, you know, growing up in New Zealand, I'm a pretty confident driver. Um, you know, not overconfident, but confident and and also quite defensive and quite a uh, practical driver, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, don't tend to take too much risk. Um, but, What ended up happening is I had my accident, I was there in hospital for a month. Well, in the course of that month, only a week later, after my accident, another accident happened. And that accident was the same result. The guy lost his left arm. And then one week later, another accident. Luckily, those people in that car got away with just a few injuries. And then one week later, another accident. And it was an off-duty police officer who passed away. So... It was a pretty big thing. And, um, you know, f- for four accidents to happen in one spot in one month because of construction, and um, this is construction company called Trump Construction, who worked with the city of New York, and we all know who, who Trump Construction yeah. So that was a bit of a, a crazy moment, because there I am in 2011. I'm only 30-odd. I am only 30 odd can not even remember. I can't do the math right now. But I'm at the prime, you know. Prime in my life, everything's going amazing. I'm doing installs all over, DJing all over the world. You know, sort of New York and the US, Miami, you know, Chicago, LA, and then boom, I'm in hospital for a month in the head trauma unit. Um, pretty, pretty crazy and 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 numbing and and sort of grounding as well. You know, um, when something yeah, like that happens yeah. in in your life and. You wake up and the first thing, you know, someone said is, oh, you've had an accident and you've lost your arm. It's a pretty uh, pretty sobering moment, you know? You, I think the first thing sort of went through my mind as well, who else, is everyone okay? And, and like, you know, and then you start thinking of all the things that you, you're going to possibly not be able to do, you know? Yeah. Like, all those yeah. things, like, am I going to be able to drive a car? Am I going to be able to drive a manual? Am I going to be able to go surfing again? Am I going to be able to ride a bike? Write my name, like, do you know? It just rushes through you, and you sort of blows your way. But then you sort of sit there, and you're like, "Wow, I'm alive!" You know? They're like, "Mate, you were literally dead." So just thank you, lucky stars. And I'm like, "Well, I, I honestly do." And and um, so after a month of rehabilitation, I got out, and I'll tell you what, it was it was it was a crazy moment when I walked out of that hospital, and I walked down the street, and it was the first time I'd really sort of been in public alone. Um, you know, missing my arm, and it—it it is something weird. It's—it's it's, when you've when you've grown up with it, it's weird to lose it. You know what I mean? Maybe if you're yeah. born like that, yeah. it's different. It's like you know, I, I sort of make the the core. Well, I don't say it is like it is, but it—but similar to, I would say, losing a, a baby or a child or something that was a part of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it yeah. it was a part of it was a part of your physical genetics or whatever so there's this sort of feeling of loss and um but I did walk down the street that day and, and one thing I did notice and that stuck with me and it still sticks with me today is when I walked down that street I was so happy to be out of hospital and I was so happy to be able to walk down the street and breathe in fresh air and even though I would missing an arm I was standing up straight looking straight ahead and I had a smile on my face and the one thing I noticed is everyone walking towards me had their head down and was frowning, you know? And I just thought to myself, guys, you've got nothing to be, you know, like, yeah, you might think you've got problems, but you know what? You've got your both arms and you've got both legs and you should put your head up and smile because Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? You've just got to be grateful for what we have in life. And, um, yeah. and yeah, that yeah. did stick with me, you know? And I, I do carry that attitude and, and it does... You know, a lot of people have given me um, you know, sort of praise on like helping them to feel better in terms of rubbing that sort of attitude of, you know, it shit can get a lot worse, you know? So um Absolutely. I do try Absolutely. to Yeah. So that was a bit of a setback. Um and then, you know, typical Kiwi attitude, I just got back on with it. I I I have spent a month or two. Collecting my thoughts and sort of gaining a bit of weight because I lost a bit of weight when I was in hospital. And I said, screw it. I'm going to keep DJing. I'm going to keep running my business. I'm going to go even harder. And that's what I did. I mean, for the next years until 2020, what was 2020 is when I, no, 2019. Shit, how long have I been back in New Zealand? Like two years. <laughs> yeah. Got so it came to. A to yeah. Yep. Go ahead.
3: Can you see that Can on, you the, see screen it on there? the screen? There. What is it? It's from, it's Oliver, from Finlay. Oliver Finlay. It's I'm it's just to mute you it's it's Yeah, so it's from Oliver Finlay Stru- uh, Smithy. Actually, he's enjoying it. He, lo- he said he loves fruity loops. He reckons uh, Pam is genuine, and he said that you've um, you've got an amazing life story. And then he asks, "When you dream, do you have it again?" I believe he's referring to your left arm. I'm just, going to, just you know.
5: going to unmute you now. Yeah, that's an interesting one, Oliver. Thanks for that question. And um, yeah, cool. Great. Um, I'm glad you're into Fruity Loops. Um, I've been you know, producing for 20 plus years. I, I, I've done a lot in Ableton and, and uh, Logic and, and, and uh, whatnot. But but yeah, it's, that's a funny question about when I dream. Um, and, and weirdly enough, I started dreaming a lot more since I got back in New Zealand. I don't know why that is. But I remember dreaming a lot before I left New Zealand and I didn't dream as much over there, but I dreamed more in New Zealand. But I don't really think I didn't recognise that I had my arm or not. That's a it's a good question. Now now you've got it in my head. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna think about it hopefully when I'm dreaming to see if I've actually got my arm or not. Because yeah, theori- the- theoretically you would have your arm in your dream because um, well, it might be weird because you've got this what's called phantom limb. You know, that's quite a well-known thing and in, 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 um, when you lose uh, you know, uh, an appendage or whatnot you get the, the... It's basically your brain thinks that you've got an arm because it's been it's it's been raised that way from base plate theory, from being a child, from being born you've always had two arms. So your brain is consistently sending out signals like to your left hand or your left arm and over time, obviously that ingrains into your subconscious. Um, of course when you lose it at like the age that I did in my 30s, you know, it was a pretty rough, rough time to lose it and I did have a lot of phantom limb pain in the beginning. Um, they would put me on a, a, on a drug called gabapentin which diabetics use as well but that does reduce the neural um, firing. Um, right, what, it, right. what it feels like it's quite, it's quite amazing it's like well, it feels like someone's sort of got like a, a rubber band that's getting tighter and tighter and tighter around the area where you've you've had your amputation. Um, and then the most painful part is like sometimes you'll get these needle shock um, feelings, like someone's stabbing you with a needle in the end of your bone, you know, or it's, or it's electrical shock. Um, so those are some of the more painful sides of, of, of um, having an amputation. But I've managed to... Yeah. And now, and now, go ahead. You still look so, you
2: still look those,
5: now? I am a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm still experiencing them, but by far a lot less. And a lot less in, in many ways because I also literally got off any drug that would inhibit those, those neural... Um, impulses because of course people most people just take the medication and, and and that's it it numbs it you know but I started realizing that the medication it's it's not good to be processing stuff you know all the time so I started reducing it reducing it reducing it and I started trying to be more mentally strong at dealing with pain and I think the best painkiller that you've got is your own brain and it sounds contradictory but like when you allow the pain to exist your brain finds a way to forget about it. Yeah, it, it can yeah, sort of it,
2: it almost, can, almost, it, to, almost background noise. Background noise gently.
5: Gently. That's what it does. And that's one of the best painkillers that your body actually has. And and one of the, th- the things that I will, will always sort of be an advocate for, and especially people that get, become very addicted to painkillers, and there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of people out there, and they just don't know how to deal with their pain. You know? and it's hard i'm not saying it's easy it's not easy but when you break through when you break through that barrier of pain level it, it becomes so much better like your your body is able to control that pain so much more effectively than the drugs yeah, yeah. Right.
2: yeah. You've the drugs pretty much create this, creates this whole sense, whole sense, of sense of security that you become on. reliant on. Exactly. It a
3: of, uh, uh, cascading, cascading effect, effect, effect where, where uh, you become, yeah, as you're reliant on it, then other things happen like the kidneys and um, all the rest of the systems, all the side effects, and yeah, being able to live um, in a more accepting way of. Who you've become and what, what, uh, where your electrons fire. And as you say, you come from a music background. So I guess background noise or, um, yeah, it's a
5: bit, a bit of distortion or something. No, no, very, very much so. And, and I think as well, you've got, you've got kind of gain control back again. And I think, um, gaining that mental control, gaining that physical control gaining that spiritual control that is it's so empowering and 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 you know it really does give you something back um that that um being on a having to to uh you know numb yourself with drugs and things um or or anything sort of external Um, and it really does it does show you the power of the mind body and spirit you know um and that's yeah yeah that's it's a very cool experience and i I obviously um you know have some learned learned abilities from that from from going through the things that have gone through the experiences and within the music industry and funnily enough what you're just talking about with what does what does the the long-term effect of of taking all these um you know synthetics do well and i can't we can't really pin it down but when i came back to new zealand um, a couple of years ago, um, I went and got a checkup and lo and behold, at, at my age at that time, which was only in my what 40, was about 42, um, or 43, we discovered that I had a, um, cancerous tumor in my bowel. So I basically had, had bowel cancer. Um, and that ended up oh my God. becoming, oh my God. yeah, that ended up becoming stage four, um, because it had metastasized into my liver. Um, so really, really quickly, and I'll, I'll be absolutely honest, I was absolutely amazed and 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 very, very lucky to be here in New Zealand and be here in Christchurch with the with the surgeons and the, the quality of the, the people and the speed of the process, because if it wasn't for that, I don't think I'd be alive at this very moment. Um, they got in there and they said, hey, mate, you're young. You're too young to be having this. Um, let's get it out and we'll just operate. So about a year ago, I had a full body. (laughs) I don't know what the word for it was. would be called dissection where they opened me up literally from my breastplate. Yeah. My breastplate down to my, down to my pelvic region. Um, they basically opened me up and removed 70% of my liver and, um, a good portion of my lower bowel, um, was very, very lucky, uh, very lucky to still be in pretty good physical shape after an operation like that and still be able to function somewhat normally, you know what I mean? Um, and they did get all the cancer out, and yes, it's been a sort of a year's healing, but I'm, I'm 100% good, and my blood work came back, and it was perfect. It was better than normal, and liver functions better than normal. Yeah, so, yeah, mate, I keep getting, throwing these curveballs. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a part of learning and it's a part of evolving and it's a part of my journey, you know? Um, Mm. and it's, it's all going to help me, I think in the long run, be the best I can be, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. They didn't say that again.
3: Quite remarkable. Quite Remarkable.
5: Yeah, it is. It's remarkable in the fact that I'm still alive. It's it's interesting and in like trying to think, well, why what what you know, what reasons? And they were trying to say, well, oh, maybe it's hereditary and my dad actually did have bowel cancer when he was in his fifties. Mm. So they did all the they did all the genome sequencing and, and genetic sequencing and they came back and said it's not it's not hereditary, it's not related to genes. Your bowel cancer was completely environmental. And I've, I've never been a person to have a, I didn't drink, you know, I've never really been a big drinker um, in my years of doing all this stuff. No. I mean, I've had, no. my, I, I've had my, my fun here and there, but nothing really too consistent. So I tried to treat myself pretty healthy, but it's, it's just a baffling thing, this cancer, eh?
2: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, in so, I mean, 2011, 2011
0: until, now,
5: until now, how many years are you on your medical? Well, yeah, that's it. You know, I was on that gabapentin in quite high doses from 2011 through until this year. And this is this year, I, you know, the doctors they were saying, oh, no, it's all good. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't affect you. This, that, the next thing. But, but I've, I've cut it down to literally, I was on something like 3,600 milligrams, which is the maximum dose. I'm pretty pretty large person, you know, 6 foot 4, um, 100 <laughs> kgs. But, um, you know, I was on like the highest dose recommended by the doctors and now I'm down to literally like nothing, like 400 milligrams over 24 hours, which is the, how the many, minimum how many pretty you much. you taking a day? Oh, well, if I was, well, I was taking what? I would have taken. 3,600, so that's, um, that's what, four, four, eight. so that's four pills, it's 16, so I'd be four pills in the morning and like four pills at night, let's say. Or f- you know what I mean? Something around that, which was yeah, well a lot. Already, I'm I'm already supposed
2: supposed you right.
5: Yeah, right. and the funny thing is, it's gabapentin, I mean, I know it's a, it's a known um, drug and some people sort of use it recreationally, which is baffling to me because it's never, ever made me feel anything other than reduce my phantom limb pain you know maybe because i have that phantom limb pain and nerve damage it just reacts with me on only that level but but yeah um i noticed when i cut off it um i got less pain in general and i lost probably 10 kgs yeah it's crazy yeah and a lot of a lot of diabetic women are on it and you know it's tough for them because they put on weight and then they get that and then it makes them depressed and then they're on the gabapentins and then they're on more and then they're wondering why they can't lose weight and then you know it's a snowball it's a a catch-22 you know if they fight through that pain and let their body heal and they just get through it the body just takes care of it and it will start doing the things that it should do it'll drop the weight it'll get you healthier and you'll feel better mentally, you know, your, your brain will start to function again properly. Because I'll tell you what, mental health is a, is a real, it's a real thing these days, and I see it. Coming back to New Zealand was, was shocking. Um, and not to say it's not bad over in the States, because it is. But man, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is with, with New Zealand, uh, but it was definitely something I've noticed that the, the men and, and women here they, they tend to... Uh, yeah, the battle mentally. And I'm, I mean, look, there's probably a lot of people that haven't left and sort of haven't developed that um, those different sort of connections, you know, and, mm. and sort of get themselves into a bit of a dark place. Um, I don't know but if it's, it's just Christchurch. No, no, no. <laughs> I
3: think a big part of it could actually be almost like, um, I'm just going to check my audio levels here. It might be almost like this global isolation sort of thing. There's like a bunch of people that... Um, haven't sort of experienced the world on other cultures and only know of it second um, And then there's the other aspect of the people will, some have recited the fact that they'll probably never leave the island again. And some that will believe that they may never leave the island ever in the future. So it might be this sort of small island syndrome of, uh, I'm on an atoll <laughs> at the bottom of the world.
5: Yeah, that's that's very true. I think that's very true in respect to New Zealand and, and, and some of that in, entrenched uh, subconscious, you know, uh, mental behaviour. Um, and, and you're right, yes. And I think uh, you, you the re- one thing that really sort of makes me think um, that's a very valid reason is is look at what lockdowns done. You know, lockdowns created even more pressure on people globally. You know, you're seeing you know increased rates of mental uh, health, you know, issues and and po- possibly suicides. I don't know the exact numbers and if that is a, a fact, but um, but you know, just just look at look at your local neighbors, look at your friends, look at your family. You lock people down for 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 three weeks, two weeks, one week, even people start losing it. You know, it's it's interesting. You yeah,
2: there? Absolutely, yeah,
5: absolutely bro. Absolutely, bro. Yep.
3: I just checked. I just you, you on it. you like it's kind of crazy. I mean, out west Auckland and Lynn, they had that guy that sort of went berserk about a month or two ago in the in the supermarket with a with a kitchen knife. Um, and I mean, that was I'm pretty sure that was during the at the beginning of the freaking lockdown. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and um, and then they've had a few um, shoot 'em ups. <laughs> they've um, had a few gun battles around the place and this and that which is a bit um, a bit much I mean it's all well and good if you're watching a sort of a hip hop music video or something you know but um, it all gets a bit close to home and um, yeah and I mean that police helicopters out every night and you know, crime's at an all-time high, and apparently the inner city is like New York in the 1980s, mate. So, I mean, maybe give it 20 years, and it might, might be like, old oh, New York. I don't know, man. It's, it's getting wild. But um, we're going to bring in our uh, our other callers, our other um, guests here. And just due to um, <laughs> echoing, we're going to keep you muted for now. <laughs> or, or did you want to comment on any of that statement I just made,
5: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Um, Yeah, just to sort of sum sum it up, yep, that's very true. That sounds that sounds cool actually, because Auckland in that time was was really cool and very artistic, and in times of of tough times like that, uh, art and music really does shine. So, um, in summary, I think you know all these experiences just sort of set me up for my time in New Zealand now to to really sort of hunker down and do my art. Uh, produce music and and get involved with the DJing and as well and bringing all the skills that I've learned overseas and bringing them back home and 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 giving those and passing those skills on you know um, To to the youth of, of this country, so yeah, I think even though those th- times are tough There's also a silver lining, you know, and it's and it's all about our attitude, so Absolutely. Time to, Absolutely. to man up. Okay, okay, to to
3: <laughs> oh, Selena Spain. Selena, you got a question there? I've got um, our guest Grant on mute.
8: Yeah, I want to Sorry, invite Grant I want to invite Grant back to DJ a few tunes next time.
3: Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That's going to be perfect. Um, did you have a question or did you want to talk to him about what tunes you would DJ or something like that?
8: No, 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 Because no. I know, I know Grant's style, and I know he's a great producer, and he works very hard, and um, yeah, I know he puts a lot of effort and um, care into what he does, and uh, I just think, yeah, I think Grant is just a real honour to have you here tonight. Just awesome. Oh, yeah. Cause, you this know, I so just that. contacted I him continue. this afternoon, so yeah, I just thought. Yeah, he's got so many stories and he's just, yeah.
3: This show goes down as one of those sort of like, um, one of those um, real important shows in the history of the, the podcast. I reckon there's three that stand out for me. Yeah. first one is when um, Fane interviewed Kelly Tarleton's daughter.
8: Yeah, that was amazing. And yeah. that was
3: a huge show. And yep. then, of course, the one that we did, um, I think it was last week, the MH370, where we had an interview with yeah. the, the expert.
7: The what FDA. the hell happened to Litler, though? What? <laughs> where, where's Litler?
3: He's out well, there lit,
8: getting lit.
7: Yeah, they have to learn but I, to, I've got Morgan. a couple of questions to ask to the Yeah, perfect
3: floor is yours so
7: you got a Sunday afternoon it's about 4 p.m, p.m. on a yep. Sunday afternoon in a club
5: what are you gonna play okay that's a that's a pretty good one um, well that that that's you know that as a DJ one thing that you got to learn is that you never pre- prepare um, for anything, <laughs> you do your preparation. Obviously, you, you got to know your music, and you got to sort of, you got to have a passion for it. Um, one thing I learned really early days is when I was really keen and really into it was, you know, I'd, I'd prepare sets and I'd, I'd, I'd think about the club and I go, you know, where I'm going, and and I'd turn up with all my set planned out and everything, and it would just turn <laughs> into shit because it was, it, you can't plan for people. Um, yeah. People are so random, you know. So like I could turn up to a a, a Sunday four o'clock afternoon gig, if it was in New York and it was within the underground scene, I, I could throw down like the hardest techno and it would absolutely smash the party and would go off, you know. I could turn up in New Zealand and throw down like did classic... You,
7: uh, did, you you know, ever, the, did you ever have did a... Did you ever sit have a set where, like,
5: where like... Every set of... Yeah, I have, I've had residencies, yeah many well playlists I mean arranged it, it, it was it, so i so my my music I can go eclectic or I can go very specific I can go into like mostly my defined style I would say that I'm known for and especially in New York and where I'm, when I've traveled would be you know house music so if it needs to be very like uplifting deep house um, and spiritual and, and, and whatnot, then I can do that. And then into sort of very funky or party house or disco or like more like, um, you know, more house house, which is kind of like, you know, the, the whole sort of bringing the world together. There's so many different genres of house. There's so there, many yeah. genres. I mean, I can play a set of hip hop as well if you want. <laughs> um, yeah. Old, yeah. old school hip hop.
7: If, no, if, if, if you, no, seriously, if, if you give us your old-school hip-hop, what's, what's your top five tunes that you're going to play?
5: Oh, top five. Oh, well, top five would probably be stuff like, um, okay. I don't know. Well, like, I wouldn't really give you specific names. I'll sort of say, like, artists, like, I'd say, like, Biggie, Smalls. Um, I'll probably throw in a bit of, because I'm from a, from a Kiwi, I'd probably put in some, like, um, Scribe, uh, Yeah yeah. That's kind of, so some sublime. I would mix it up. Sublime, but was not. Yeah, really how, the, how, does it, that, how does that, how does that work in that America? Line? Like, how yeah. do they, yeah, they yeah. um, react to music? Yeah, well, I've got a huge database, and 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 um. So I would I would actually play those kind of styles of sets at bars and stuff because not only did I play at clubs, um, I would also uh, play at bars and, 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 and like Irish pubs and whatnot. So you, you go play those kind of places and it's just like your stereotypical New Zealand pub, you know what I mean, where it's like a jukebox and then they turn it off and a DJ starts up and it's like you know, we're all drunk and let's have a good time and let's, you know, have, play a mixture of music. So so um, yeah, I'd play many sets, uh, sets is any, like that.
7: Is there any tune or anything you're like, oh shit, everything's going wrong. Because for me, it's like, if I was a DJ and the whole gig was going wrong and it was a hip hop crowd, I would go, okay, I'm going to play Lunas, I got five
5: on it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I want, you know, because I don't, I haven't really, I haven't done like, I wouldn't specifically put myself in a hip-hop crowd in new york because i'm smarter than that and i know that where where my skill set is um whereas like where i I would play sort of mixed music would be a bit more of a general crowd so i never really had that problem but if i translate that what you're saying into my specific genres that i'm uh, that i'm really good at at terms of those events where it's like real hardcore house heads you know what i mean and they're like it's not going, well, what track would I play? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
7: because it's a vibe, isn't
5: it? It's a vibe. Tell you what, most of it comes, like, beyond the music. Yeah, like, uh, obviously, you've got to have good selection, um, and I think that comes from your vibe, too, because I think that if you've got a good ear and you've got a good, you know, there's something in you that's soulful, you've already got a one-up on the music you're going to play because you are it's the music that resonates with you, you know? So can if I, that resonates can with... The- you about,
7: um, can I ask you about your favourite rappers of all time?
5: My favourite would probably be like... I mean, just because I... I sort of lived in Brooklyn and I kind of lived just down the road from where Biggie Smalls grew up and pretty much did all the thing. He, he's one of my favourites for sure. I, I can't not be because that's sort of where I spent, I don't know, 10, 15 years, you know what I mean? Um, obviously, I, I like Tupac. I, I like, um, you know, I like, like. I've I got to give respect to like bands like Run DMC and, and people like Dr. Dre um, I love tribe called Quest. That's a different kind of style. Um, what else? Um, so,
7: so, do you do you rate do you rate
5: Bone Tugs and Harmony? Yeah, I would still, I would still rate them because I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's amazing music that was produced by them. I mean, like it's all got its moment. You know what I mean? Like. When people sort of ask me about music, and, and specifically, it's it's really hard to answer that because when you've when you've been involved around music, I and mean, when you've been involved around so many different styles of music, and and been giving it to people, and working in record stores your whole you know your whole life, and producing and whatnot, it's so hard to sort of give too much sort of, of biasness to any one thing or any sort of like you know what I mean? Like what what might resonate with me might totally be different with what resonates with you. But what brings well, together well, my, is that my
7: favorite rap group of all time is Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's that's why I asked you the question. Because they're they I think they're the best.
5: Pretty sure there's a track that I want to remix of theirs.
7: I'm just kind of it's just I've lost but they, but my they, they've they've done songs with Biggie and Tupac.
5: Yep. That's what I mean, that's that's what I love about music is there's so, you know, there's so many different facets of it and, and, and like, exactly, like, if you listen to some tracks, um, like even house music tracks, there's like hooks or, or little jingles or little loops and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's like, that's the Amen break or, that, or, or, or that's like from this record or that's like a sample from Tupac or whatever, you know? And and, um it's, it's,
7: it's like, so um, cool. it's like um, yeah, it's like Mob Deep. Mob Deep came out the same kind of, but they were all coming from New York in that time, and they came out with that sample. And then um, Wu Tang came out with Thirty Six Chambers. It was like it kind of changed the game in terms of hip hop.
5: Hey, you know, like in New Zealand, like you know, Cypress Hill, and that was like. Sort of like, those those are sort of, I guess, some of the, the groups that sort of got me oh, into so far, that style so far, of music.
7: Cypress like, so Hill, like White Sunday. Mm-hmm. We aren't going out. I just intervene for Thanks one second?
8: 1993,
2: 1993.
7: In terms of music and, because I'm a big basketball cards guy, because I'll just bring it back up here, the Reggie Miller. That's the same year in 1993.
3: Um basketball. Hey guys. <laughs> I've got to... Um, I'll, just, I'll just hold you there, mate. I'll just hold you there. Thank you very much. Uh, um, Selena, you had... Um, you wanted to pop in. You had something to, to discuss.
8: Well, Grant was talking about not having any bias towards any style of music. And um, for me, um, last night and this morning... I was listening to this is like, I listen to a little bit of classical sometimes and Debussy or, um, like Beethoven. I like, um, what's his name? I can't remember right now, but, um, yeah, just some of those geniuses. Yeah. Geniuses. It starts with S C S uh, S C H. I can't quite, um, but anyway, Debussy.
3: Okay. So, um, so you're saying? Um, did you have a specific question or any? Uh...
8: No. What I was going to say is, um, Grant, do you listen to different styles of music when you know different times of day? When you're feeling different things, you know, it can't always be up. It's impossible. It's impossible to be up all the time. So, I just think,
3: you know, you just. Okay, let's pose
5: that question to Grant. Here we go. Here's Grant. Here's Grant. Yeah, thanks, Selena. That's a that's a really good question. Um, absolutely. Like, even even when I was heavily heavily involved in dance music, I mean, like you said, you just can't. And I, I'll will t- tell you what, I probably did listen to dance music constantly for probably years at, uh, without too much other music. And you kind of put your set, your head kind of goes into a bit of a hole, you know. But um, as I've got more mature and I've, as I've become a better producer and I've spent more time producing with different artists and different genres, it, it, it just it just comes naturally. If you have a passion for music, I've always sort of had a passion for music, even since I was a kid, you know, when I'm, my dad, I mean, literally some of the first gifts I can remember other than toys was the ones that really stuck with me was like when I got my first record, you know, like I think it was like, Madonna like a version or, or Die Straits Brothers in Arms you know my dad yeah, and my mum yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. yeah exactly
5: then like, yeah. when I was like you know that young when those records come out that yeah, was all okay. I cared about yeah <laughs> Milli Vanilli and shit look look
2: look yeah. look little- yeah
5: so so I I had to of all types of music, and and like you said, you're right. Like I'll be sometimes I'll click through the radio station. I'm driving around, I, e- even New York. We used to do it all the time when we we're on our missions, picking up sound systems. We'd drive around with the jazz station on, or or the or the or the classic station on, or like you know. And there's nothing better than like driving around New York with like classic jazz going on in the in the van where you guys are like everyone's on the go you know it's just like it's so, groovy. I mean, yeah. it, it's so cool yeah. um and then you know I like i'll drive around new zealand here and, and one of the cars i've got doesn't have an in, and i'll just flick it onto cool radio stations or whatever just randomly go through until i hear good music and it could be a bit of like you know, new school rap and trap and things like that, funky stuff, and then it might be some real sort of underground. I mean, the other day, I think it was, it was on RDU, and it was just yeah. that night, and I was, like, listening to, like, real good underground techno. I was like, wow, oh, this God. is, like, actually amazing. Like, this well, could be in a club in New York. On <laughs> oh, yeah. well, yeah, that too. Like, there's been times that I've, I listen to that, I'll you know, at times I'm listening to the cheesy stuff that everyone's singing along to, you know what I mean? Okay, <laughs> I what mean,
8: about, what about Polesar? Polesar
5: You know what? It's funny because Andy and I have talked, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I've got to get you on. I've got to." get you. I was like, "Oh yeah, let's meet up for dinner and stuff." Yeah, no, let's yeah for dinner. And you know how it is—it's like trying to chase down like the, you know, like like an like invisible man or something.
8: Yeah, um, 2005, I think that was the year I moved to Christchurch for um a few months and um I, I did the lunch show on Polza month. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah they just they just let me do it and I was like, okay. Well I was fresh out of a um I didn't I didn't go to broadcasting school or anything. I just was fresh out of a performing arts course and um someone introduced me to them. And yeah, I just showed up like I'm here like tonight, showing up for this shit.
5: <laughs> you know? well, that's yeah. all you got to do, isn't it? Is show uh, up, really.
8: Uh, yeah, I just had yeah. pass the passion and music, <laughs> and and uh, the just to learn. I mean, you can never stop learning, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely,
3: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I should just
5: turn. <laughs> hey, should I just turn up to Pulse Ari Mike, tomorrow or the next day, with a bag, a couple bags of records? So I'm just here to, to come down anytime. time.
8: <laughs> yeah, they lost the first premises in the earthquake. Um, and actually, I'm not going to disclose too much, but I was actually an investor in um, Polzai a few years back. But, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah, and it was a few of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy, I eh? Like, the, the branches of life and how we're all connected and, yeah. But Andy's a great guy. I was actually thinking of getting him on the show. You should definitely stay in touch with Andy, Grant.
5: Absolutely. Great... Be up to him a few times. Um, but, yeah, I'll just keep at it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's wow, a that's wow. a good that's a good one. Um, I will have to redo that. I was actually doing a um, consistent residency for a, um, an online sort of worldwide um, internet show thing. Yeah. For a while, um, I did that for a few months here, so that was quite quite enjoyable. I just got to play vinyl, and I was one of the one of the very few artists that um, s- still plays full vinyl sets. Um uh, and parts of my broadcast. Yeah. What's that? Early prodigy. Armed one armed vinyl DJ. There's not too many of those around.
3: Yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah
5: one yeah. armed vinyl. So what do you think about early prodigy? early
2: prodigy?
5: Yuck. What do I think about Prodi- the prodigy? Yeah, early, yeah prodigy. early prodigy. Oh yeah, I think I've got some of the records here somewhere. In the five thousand records that I've got sitting next to me. You gotta say yeah, that, so that
7: the main guy yeah. that wrote all their songs was pretty talented, eh?
3: Yeah, were they a British outfit, were they?
7: Yeah, they're British, so. yeah. British outfit. Coming straight out of Chelmsford, I think they were coming out of. A bunch which of geezers. Essex, and I've been to Chelmsford before, Benny.
3: Yeah, really? Oh, <laughs> he, that is absolutely He's just so going incredible. to the loo, I think. <laughs> well, what a brilliant guest indeed. Yeah. And, uh, You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. so much, for Selena Spain, for teeing it up. We got him here.
7: No, and, he's good. Uh, he's good. I, I like his stuff.
3: I, I want to talk more about
7: Bones, and Harmony.
3: Yeah, okay. Okay, so what we need to do is I'll, I'll click his mic back <laughs> on again. Did you have a question that you wanted to ask him there, Hayden?
7: Yeah, yeah. More, more, well, okay, for me, it's like 90s rap is compared to today. There's no question about who's better. It's 90s rap, isn't it? Because you, you, you've got like Big E, Tupac, Bone Tugs, and Harmony. It what is. what do you got coming out today? Yeah. They're famous. They're not famous for their music. They're famous for how much drama they can cause.
5: Do you agree?
3: Okay, I'm going to switch the mic. Oh.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, that's um, that's a very valid point And 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 uh, to be honest, it's it's a little frustrating. I mean, and I, I I saw this starting to happen many years ago, and. And even within the small cliques of, let's say, the New York underground um, and, and, and when even, let's just say, in the house music DJs, the DJs that were doing all the, all the drugs that were causing the most drama, that were just like acting the full. I mean, these are the guys that were getting popular. And I don't know what is wrong with humanity, you know. it, it wasn't. The, and then you've got the artists. And then you've got the people that are just pure passionate about music and make absolutely amazing music and could be the best you know, actual performer, but they're just sitting there on the background, you know what I mean? Whereas these idiots are, are, just making a big splash and then they get the big YouTube channels and they get famous for doing something dumb or some really weird 100%, shitty song.
7: 100%, 100%, 100%. Um, That's how it's become now. Because yeah, in the nineties, in the nineties, you used to have to have talent to get famous.
5: Yep. And it's yep it's the same in all facets of music i've seen it and 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 the genres that you're talking about i've seen it in the genres that i've experienced i've sort of seen it across the board and and I'll, I'll be i'll be i'll be completely honest i'm even seeing it in um in just everyday life i mean you know i'm 46 years old now and you know i've got 26 year olds telling me how much of a life they've lived and 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 how much drama is in their life and I look at them like, what is wrong with you? You haven't even lived yet. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not even that, bro. It's not even that. you got
7: 21-year-olds telling you how to do fitness, and it's you're 21. You can eat whatever the fuck you want. You're still going to be fit. It's funny, like, years, oh, isn't it? I'm not going to buy your fitness program. You're 21,
5: you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's definitely the world is, so is a different it, And it's like,
7: what the fuck? Like she's twenty-one, she can eat whatever. Why are you paying money for this chick to teach you how, to, teach to, do you how to do
5: it Yeah. It's 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 a lot of it's got to do with social media. I mean, we we've, we've just changed like in the nineties we weren't quite there yet, you know. We were still bloody well talking to each other and hanging out. And, and, and people had to be actual artists and have talent. But once social media and MP3s and everyone could be a DJ and and then, you know, and, and just sort of anyone could become famous, that's sort of yeah. changed the way things sort of function now, you know, when it comes to talent. And it's weird.
7: I'll, I'll take I'll, one I'll year. Take- I'll, I'll look at one year because that, that's the that's the year that I've got this Reggie Miller card. 1993. 1993, you've got Tupac Biggie, Bone Thugs and Harmony. This is just in rap. Um, uh, but then, if you go to rock music, you go to basketball, you go to anything, they're all kind of like Hall of Famers.
5: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, if, if you, go uh, don't, you don't have so many Hall, hall of Famers these days. That's of... It's, uh,
7: exactly, yeah. exactly. But then yeah. people people don't. are quick, people are quick to gas them up to make them seem like a Hall of Famer, but they're not a Hall of Famer. So, like, if you look at in 1993, just in rap music, it's fucking crazy.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I I you know, I'll be straight with some of the best I think house music too came out in the in those early 90s, same at the same time as some of the best rap music came out. Um same time as you know, you've got these hall of famers, these 80s and 90s guys, you know, I think there wasn't the same media that people could just become instantly, you know, relevant
7: you had to do something, and even then, you would—you probably wouldn't even get noticed. Both Dogs and Harmony got signed by Eazy-E, and um, they came out of Cleveland. At the time, no one had come out of Cleveland. I, I always bring back I to you <laughs> because that's my favorite rap group. But, um but like the same year, you know, like you've got Wu Tang, you've got fucking everything, man.
5: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good house music that's produced by people that no one even knows today. Like they don't even know these artists were you know kind of artists that changed the game for so many people. And that's the same even if you really think about it. Like even the '90s hip hop and rap, those are the people that forged that that you know they made that forged that path. And what's come from it is just absolutely crazy, you know, like, like, but uh, yeah, that's the way life is, isn't it? Uh, I'm trying to
7: I'm think, think, of, trying that think of that group. Um, that house music group, they had that one massive song, uh, Faithless, Faithless.
5: That, yeah, that was huge. That was, yeah, that was probably a bit more trancey. Um, and then you've got, you've got like, um, what have well, you got, like, uh... Oh gosh, of course, my brain always goes blank when I start trying to think while I'm talking. Um, the song, you know, one more time. Who's that boy? Um, oh, that was the Daft, Daft, Daft. Punk. I've seen <laughs> them live. That was pretty was cool. Back in the Daft early Daft days, though, Daft. early Daft Punk and Basement Jacks. Basement Jacks, amazing. Like Basement Jacks produced some absolutely sick underground house and then also was able to do remixes of like Madonna and you know or whatever you know like real big commercial checks but,
7: it, it, but, but it, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, you,
5: you I go saw Prodigy.
3: checks they performed at the big day out I think it was oh
5: did they yeah you got Prodigy yeah
7: not not, not uh, Fat of the Land that was 1997 I think right. but um, they had two albums before that which were both really, really good.
3: but Okay. Crossing over to Grant. Grant.
5: Yep. Yep. Hello.
3: What do you see? Yeah. What is the when when search, search result You know, you on the algorithm? Are you running any? Um. Are we running any search results or what's happening at your end? Your end.
5: Uh, no, no. No. nothing. No. No. I'm just sitting. I'm just sitting here listening and, and and yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Um. Yeah. I mean. You know. Like I'm a big fan of obviously. The- and whatnot, but you know, here we are today and and also my brain is, is is also obviously taking all that past and and then trying to process it and, and put, put new things into the present. You know, what's gonna be next? Like, you know, like we're talking about that these artists, like I think there's still potential for new artists to come through. And I think now with lockdown and now with with the stress of the world of this kind of like new age, um, I believe that you might see a new resurgence in real artists. Hopefully, I mean, I'm I'm hoping because I don't want to just turn the radio on and hear like stupid shit
6: all the time.
5: <laughs> you okay, know what I mean? Like yeah. it's funny and shit and all, but it's just, There's no substance to it. But then there's you know, there's the odd one. Um, but yeah. Can I ask uh, just you about? Question,
3: crossed over to Selena Spain there Selena Spain did you have anything you wanted to uh,
8: add or yeah yeah got um, people need to innovate we don't always need to like just go by old models of how to get into the market um you have to innovate you have to be fresh you have to be new and you have to be forward thinking that's an old saying but Oh, for God's sake, just like, oh, let's just like sit back and like uh, complain. I'm so poor. I can't make money from my music career. Like, go and wash dishes. Go and waitress. Go and do whatever. Don't take out, go the out tables. It's, yeah, like, it doesn't matter what the job is. It's the attitude and it's just the mindset. And it's, you have it's to do what you have to do, be a cleaner go and you've to support what you want <laughs> exactly. to do like,
3: so yeah, if you've got yeah. your dreams your goals, you got to do what you got to do you, the way you've got to achieve it is by uh, not letting it sort of um, get out of sight or too distant but make it tangible, how you yeah. going to do that, well you're going to set goals, you're going to create some uh you're going to set set up yeah. some goals. You're going to create some. Business. You're going to make it happen for you, uh, man. Oh man, we are coming up towards the end of the show. Uh, thanks yeah. to everyone, um, and including, of course, our special guest,
2: yeah.
3: Grant. Man, big show, eh? <laughs> One second, I'm going to unmute him. I'll have a quick conversation with Grant. Grant, big show.
5: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had no idea it was going to be a big show. I just got on and I actually was, <laughs> Selena there, just said, "I'll oh, just pop in and say hi. So I was going pop in and say hi and then I was going to go off to bed because I got to get up early. But um, yeah, we just ended up yarning and, and and that's it. And it's, you know, it's just off the cuff, which sometimes turn into into something good. But yeah, no, amazing show. And yeah, I agree with Selena. Yeah, it's all about like, innovation. I'm, I'm going to make um, crazy, funny monkey trap songs for little kids. <laughs> And um yeah, and, and at the moment I'm actually I'm out there like hustling cars and and, and, and use tyres on the side while I'm doing the music and my even though I could probably go get an acoustical engineering job. But um yeah, no, it's 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 classic and, and it's so true. You just gotta firstly you gotta be happy. If you're not happy, you're always gonna sit and complain. So yeah. <laughs> you just gotta do what you love to do and, and put a smile on people's faces and then the music flows, you know?
3: Oh bloody oh, extra. Thank you so much, Grant. I'm going to let you go. Good night, brother.
5: brother. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Selena. Thank you, everyone Bye. that's uh, written in and, and, and been involved. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'll be tuning into the show more often.
3: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, you're, <laughs> welcome yeah, yeah you're welcome. Any time you talk, right. Uh, <laughs> take, uh we take live callers, and we're we're generally on here. We say we're on here six days a week. I Sometimes can, um, we take a night off I and can play. We do a DJ
8: set this Friday or Saturday or Sun or whatever you choose. Yeah,
3: right. So it's Thursday through Saturday, we need to maybe have some entertainment. So if you want to come through and play, that would be extraordinary. extraordinary.
5: I'll be in touch with Selena, and um, yeah, we'll 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 figure something out. I just got to figure out okay. my schedule because I do have a few things yeah. going on, yeah. and then I just want to make sure I'm I'm yeah. For that, I'll probably be a little bit ready, set up to see how we're going to do it. Do.
8: do you have anything you have pre-recorded? Anything? All good play, All good
5: play. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have loads. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. Or I might do something. I don't know. Let's see. I might whip something together. But yeah, no, I have got loads of stuff. Good. Yeah.
2: Good.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Good night, brother. Thank you very much, Uh man. Oh man, what a special guest he was. I know. Uh, and. Amazing. Uh, big Kenny,
8: show. Best of you. You know how to bring out the best in people, so.
3: Boom! Big show, guys! Big show. We've got the best booking agent in town. Um <laughs> She's our intern too, and she's a booking agent. So. Okay, um, I just-
8: I don't want to be like pushy or anything, but can I just share a link to a fishing rod? Okay, look at
7: this. <laughs> yeah, we're sponsored it. by. You're sponsored by
8: I, Shimano um, now. Some advice.
3: It's that time of the show again, guys. It's that time of the show it's where we talk about high value items. Boom, Grant. <laughs> if you want to Selena, just be on the show here watching, you can. We we'll just keep you on me, so we don't get fishing it.
7: rod. We need to see oh, the, I the have a high oh, value fishing rod Listen, right around.
8: I went to the office today. I was in the office for 10 hours today. I was just, I could sleep there because the studio's done and um, there's only one other person there, an engineer. And yeah, yeah, I was just by myself for hours out of the house and I just could not be happier. And um, I, I went through all the stuff because the move happened about two and a half months ago or something. And I found the fishing rod. I was like, Oh, oh awesome! You hey, 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 a, so I just sent you the yeah. I don't. Know, I tried to research the price. Uh, yeah, and I don't an offer. This
3: is a high. This is what we in the <laughs> yes. game. You know, this is in the game. This is what we we refer to as a high value item or a HVI. <laughs> uh,
7: this is going to be worth at least two hundred and fifty thousand New Zealand nah. dollars for a Shimano fishing rod, Grappler. <laughs> Double yeah, B. I
3: mean, I would have thought so. Okay. I mean, I'm grappling with the situation too. And, <laughs> it's a double um, B.
7: It's, it's a double a grabber. B,
3: man. It's... You know why there's BB? Because it's like a gun. It's a shooter. Yeah. It, you're going to kill these fish. The fish um,
7: can't even see it coming.
3: Yeah, the, the fish are grappling with the situation too. Um, oh, it's a, it's, <laughs> imagine oh fish. It's a bit
8: shiny. Keep going. Keep Imagine going.
7: the fish go there, mate I to like go, oh, hey. Is, is that a
3: box? Is that the whole yeah, box? It's
8: still in the box. It's never been unboxed.
7: Where's Steve? Oh boy, well, Selena Spain.
3: for um
7: I'm Selena Spain just bought business. a Shimano.
3: This is brother? high value guys. Where's
8: your brother? Shut up, honey. Where's your brother, Benny?
3: You asked too many questions. Okay, so we're looking at this high-value <laughs> items, and this is a Shimano fishing rod. It's currently listed at $150. If you want to look it up, you're going to have to go onto the marketplace on Trade Me, go into sports, go into the category fishing, go into the category big game rods, go into the category rods, okay. and then under there, this high-value item.
8: Someone's made an offer at the starting price.
3: Of 135? Yeah, so
8: they obviously – it's got um, 10 watches. um, Benny,
3: Benny, can you – Okay, Selena, we've got a question from Hayden. Hayden, go right ahead. The floor is yours, good sir.
7: Can you make sure Ben Littler doesn't get that?
3: Who's Ben Littler? I cannot guarantee that, my guy. Put a
7: block on Ben Littler's trade me.
3: Yeah, I mean that could be a possibility yeah, in the near future, but I think that Ben Littler is actually our guy. He's on our side. We want to enable him. We don't want to disable him. Um, we want it to happen for Littler. Um, we don't want to litter ill thought around his guy. Um, we want to um, we want to send blessings. We, we and, could do um, a
7: we could do a um, Benny Mac so um, video. It's a
3: high value item.
8: We can make a counter-offer. That's the thing. With, I just uh, want rips. to know to make a counter-offer.
3: I've actually got a um, video of me that I live-streamed of myself fishing. I <gasps> caught a fish um, live on stream and um, and, I, and I filleted it like a
8: fish. Oh, share it. Uh,
3: it will be available. It will be available at some point. But we've got to wrap this show up, guys, because... Um, I've also got to do something at 6 a.m. I've got a uh, international flight at 6 a.m.
7: So with the, with, the photo, with the photo and video that you got, Benny, would you be able to superimpose Ben Littler into those images?
3: All I know is that Ben Littler is an amazing lover. Ben Littler knows how to work. the clitler. <laughs> Okay, so um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in on the show. It has been uh, your brother, Benny Mack, and we've been talking a whole load of schmack, but this has been our Joe Rogan-style long-form uh, interview. Um,
7: Massive penis. Uh,
3: yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in the future, I think we've got to brief our guests. We've got to make sure they've got headphones. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were watching this broadcast and you're wondering what was happening i'd like to apologize we had a slight technical difficulty i had to mix it on the fly uh some people say that i'm pretty fly for a white guy um
7: <laughs> ben Littler.
3: Fucking hilarious ben, ben as i say that but I mean, I've got the notes. I took notes on this interview. I was Same. a note taker. How many notes did you get? How many note, How many data points did you pull?
8: Well, I I knew some of his stories already, but I still took notes. So, um, yeah, probably where about start, 15, where are
3: you starting at?
8: ten to fifteen bullet
0: points.
3: Did you start in Mexico? Uh,
8: yeah, I think somewhere. I was Just scribbling. It's all scribbled.
3: Did you start Ottawa? in Mexico back in
8: 98? Oh,
3: yeah. The, uh, oh, Ottawa. That was yeah. much later.
8: Oh, London. Was... London. Under London. Yeah, that Red was
3: around Park. the same time, around the backpacking trip.
8: Yeah, around. That just was before... right around
3: when, when um, old mate went backpacking, you know? Yeah. He went all the way down to um, Costa Rica, he didn't said,
8: he? Yeah, and he said one of the things he said was facets of life.
3: Well, that's, I read uh, that down, yeah. There were many facets of life, and yeah. um, it was an interesting insight into the techno dance music scene, the underground dance music events, a real insight into that, his his life story, okay? So that's yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, awesome. Hey, Selena, so you got any any other comments to make there? Well, yeah,
8: you- I mean, I, I visited Grant in New York, um... Years ago, There's a bunch of us. We caught the L train. You were
3: there. You, were there. you caught the L train. Oh, well, that's a yeah. story for another night, Selena. I'm wrapping <laughs> okay. the show up, yeah, but no. I'm going to do a promo. I'm about to. I'm. I'm about to do a promo. Okay. Okay. For this. For this broadcast. For this episode. Episode. Hey episode.
8: Okay.
3: So. Um, <laughs> it's a hell of a show. Thanks, Slater We'll, we'll uh, see you next next time on Wednesday night, won't we?
8: Um, what's today? Monday? Well, you want to see you We'll
3: see you Tuesday night. We'll oh, see it. you Tuesday night. <laughs> okay,
8: bye.
3: Okay, thank you. Uh, Hayden, um, what card are you holding?
7: Reggie Miller. Um, Reggie Miller, that's
3: a 96.
7: 94 Hall of Famer. 94, that's
3: a high value item. We want to see it listed. Um, I'll
7: tell you what, I'll tell you what Benny, go right ahead, Ben Littler can have this card for free,
3: Ben Littler can suck my Littler, (laughs) hey we're gonna let you go, okay cheers, thanks for being on the show, we'll see you, it was uh, a great
7: episode, we should name the episode Ben Littler,
3: Um, (laughs) Ben Littler is the littiest Littler that ever littered, okay, (laughs) and he picked it up okay cheers buddy we'll talk to you soon hey thanks for tuning in on the show everybody we had a uh mega cast tonight Yep, we did a uh, motherfucking mega show everybody thanks for tuning in i'm just about to pull up some my data spec sheet here okay uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching uh, Talking Schmack with Benny Mack in association with Talkback with Fane and Sophia. Tonight's show, we've had the pleasure of introducing and interviewing you, uh, Mr. Grant Norman James. This is your life. We just did the life, whole dang life interview of our uh, excellent guest there. It's a real insight. It's an eye opener. It's a tearjerker. It's a story of a legend. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to see it to believe it. The one armed DJ, quite exceptional. Um, A life fully lived, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, with a life, a full life ahead of him as well, ladies and gentlemen. Um, It's all here. We've got it down on lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. We're turning it into a book. We've sold the rights. It's been transcribed. We've punched it into an AI algorithm. I've got the script. The Hollywood script is on my desk. If you want to be in it, we're selling parts. If you suck at acting, don't worry. I'll put you in an extra role or I'll deep fake you onto a good as actor. So either way, we're going to make it work for you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching talking smack with Benny Mac. And this has been the uh, marathon edition. Someone asked me today, have you ever done a marathon? Huh. I do marathon every day. What a, have I seen you? Anyway, you've been talking smack with your brother, Benny Mac. You can subscribe to me on YouTube You better damn well do it. This is where you go. Live Interactive Talk back with your brother. Thanks for tuning in. You've been tuned in to the Video Sphere for another episode of Talking smack with Benny Mack. Should never go this long ever again.